Welcome, everybody. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for another episode of the Get Off My Lawn podcast, the best show that nobody's watching. So I uh, can't wait to have everybody uh, everybody with us here in a little bit. We're going to put everybody on screen real quick. A couple things that we want to get through, of course. Um, as we get going, first and foremost, uh, leave a like uh, or hit like the like the show, like the page, like the channel, and uh, hit the share button if you would. But get those comments in there. We want those comments because uh, that lets us know that you're out there watching. So the the best part about doing this, so much better than TV or radio. You can yell at the screen at Tucker Carlson or if you're feeling frivolous, Don Lamont, all you want to, and they can't hear you and they don't care what you have to say. You can yell at us too, but if you type it out in a comment in the live chat, we actually get to see it and read it. And if it's good enough and it pertains to what we're talking about, we can even put it up on the screen and share it with everybody. So go ahead and do that. Um, also, real quick, if you need to get a hold of us and you're not watching live, you can still comment on the video, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. You can leave comments all you want here, and we do get to see those. Also, if you need to reach out directly, you can email nesandhillsmedia at gmail.com. N-E for Nebraska, nesandhillsmedia at gmail. So you can do that. We are also very proud to be included in the uh, the list of the Self-Defense Radio Network uh, podcasts that are up there. So, um, like I said, we just can't say enough great things about all of the people, all the podcasts that you find there. Go to sdrn.us, check out all that stuff. It's some really great stuff. And uh, all right, let's put everybody back on the screen. I'm tired of looking at me close up here. And <laughs> let's see, we'll get one more in there on the screen. Okay. So, uh, real quick, we're going to go through and just say hello to tonight's guests. We've got a couple familiar faces from the usual suspects and then a few um, a few second timer one second timer and two first timers tonight. So uh, so let's put people up on the screen here. Let's see. We will pull that down. We'll put Beth and Sean up there. Beth and Sean Alcazar coming to us from the great state of Alabama. How are you? Gosh, <laughs> you're such a redneck. I'm not. I love you. Okay, are you a house divided or is it like a roll tide oh, yes. or a war eagle? House war eagle. Or... Yeah, I'm okay. a roll tide war eagle. for everything. Mm -mm. You know. So Split. gotcha. Yeah. Sean. I, I am I am blessed to have a wife that doesn't do sports. So because of me, she watches Husker football and avalanche hockey, and that's it. That's all we, the only sports we do here. And uh, ever since uh, Smoke and Carl Edwards retired, we don't even care about racing anymore. So <laughs> these new guys are all pansies. We, we can't stand them. Mm -hmm. uh, to so. be fair, we're not going to fight about it, though. We're just no. jokingly, you know. We don't really it's care. It's fun, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you guys are still married, and I am assuming to each other. Yeah. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's the that's the That's the impression I got from you guys. So <laughs> You are correct. <laughs> Very, very uh, happy to have you guys along with us tonight and get uh, get your thoughts in here on, on this fun topic and then some of the serious stuff, too, that we're going to discuss tonight. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, both of you. And then let's go up here to Mr. Rob Beckman, who is also a first-timer on the show uh, with the uh, the Firearm Traders podcast. Rob, how are you? I'm doing good tonight. Good. Appreciate you having me on. For those of you who are not watching, yes, he knows. He sounds like John Goodman. You can comment that if you want to, but he's already aware. Um, just enjoy it. 
thanks thanks for throwing that out there right away yeah don't want to don't want to overtake the chat because people big, are all commenting about that big elephant in the room you know that they, we, we're aware okay he's not john goodman he's rob beckman he's got his <laughs> own life his own career he's famous for his own stuff <laughs> glad to have you along that's right all john right. goodman sounds like rob beckman is john goodman does that's sound like is. rob yeah. beckman yeah. that's exactly right Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right and then it looks like pat may be having troubles in and out of the bunker so we'll see if he gets back in here but uh, of course we've got a couple of our usual suspects we do have our uh everybody's favorite tactical teacher the one and only travis p11 how are you i'm doing good i've got a doggy over here that wants attention right now he never wants attention until your show starts i don't know what the deal is i walk him before my own podcast and then we get started and he rolls over and he wants belly rubs so it's, you might see me turn off the belly camera time I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got an attention attention deficit corgi over here, so I'm going to be giving him some belly rubs. But just so you know, um, you are you're allowed to pick him up and give him belly rubs during the show if you need to. He, he weighs almost gonna... forty pounds, so he's a little, Nobody... a little stout. So oh, is that what it is? You just don't thirty five pounds. I can I, I can curl him all day if I have to, but uh, you know. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, if, if you don't know me, I'm Travis P11, and just check out my YouTube channel, Travis P11, and that's pretty much all you got to know. So. Thanks, man. I appreciate having me on the show tonight. You bet. Thanks for being along. And yep. then, okay, so we do have Pat. Maybe he's with us now. I think Pat's having some trouble. Pat, are you uh, live in the bunker? Maybe not. He might be muted. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. We can hear you. Can you hear me? Pat. Kind of cutting in and out. Pat may be coming from his phone right now. Nope, uh, nope. Okay, no Pat. So we will uh Pat may be back. Let's move over to our fully semi-official co-host, Defense Dad, also coming to us live from the capital city of Lincoln, Nebraska. Defense Dad and Travis, for those of you who are just joining the podcast for the first time, never seen this before, are Lincoln's two most eligible bachelors. So just just throwing that out there, ladies. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It's the beard. Yeah got to be it got to right. be it glad to have you along and uh defense dad helps me put some of this stuff up on the screen when we need to here so and then sometimes oh, bring cat. people on screen yeah cat. you talk about the dog, dog Travis has a dog and defense dad has a cat and my, yeah, my daughter has a cat i don't have a cat <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately defense dad can't shut the door on the cat because the cat he has to be able to get through where defense dad sits to, to get to his box to do his business. So, yep. All right. Let's see who's out there in the chat tonight. DJ play nice is out there. Uh, Chris from the seven four Oh is out there. Sam of anarchy, Clint Taurus. I can't say it too fast. Um, nine millimia Neil's out there on Facebook. What's up, Neil Widener. Um, Pat's out there maybe in here. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we will, uh, hopefully get more people out there in the chat if you're on YouTube and you're not talking, we can't see you. We don't know you're there. Um, if you're on Facebook, normally my uh, beautiful bride is over in the producer's chair. And uh, she's not there tonight. She's not feeling uh, super energetic. So she's sitting this one out. But uh, she can't. Uh, we can't see you if you're not commenting either in the live on the Facebook side. So go ahead and put those live comments out there. Join in the conversation and help us make it lively tonight. All right. We're going to jump into this. But real quick before we do... Uh, two things that I want to put up here on the screen. Uh, number one, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individual expressing them and do not reflect the views of any of our sponsors. We are not offering any legal or medical advice. We're not doctors or lawyers. 
Um, and I don't think any of us are law enforcement professionals, but if any of you are, we're not asking you uh, for any professional advice tonight either. Uh, okay, so that and, and also, as we go through here, um, Rob and Beth and Sean have taught a lot of people over the years, and I've taught people over the year. And so at any point, as we're telling anecdotes and talking about things tonight with this fun topic of things every instructor wishes they could say, and some of this is from past experience, trust me, we're not talking about you. If you're wondering if it's you, if you've taken one of their class, no, it was somebody else. Mm -hmm. So throw that out there. And then last but not least, we are able to go live on multiple platforms tonight because of our great sponsors. So tonight's show was brought to us uh, or brought to you by Garrett Keel over at Open Country Firearms in Osmond, Nebraska. Garrett's goal with Open Country was to create a great storefront and assist responsible gun owners in new and used purchases, custom orders, transfers, and more. He's always been an advocate for the Second Amendment and thought opening his own gun store would be an excellent way to help shooters get what they want and connect with new people. You can get a hold of Garrett uh, by phone 402-841-0970 or visit uh, opencountryfirearms.com. You can also look him up on Facebook. And I don't know what other social media, but I do know that he's putting stuff up all the time on Facebook as stuff comes in. Uh, he's got some of the best deals around on new and used firearms, on ammo, and on suppressors, um, and some other cool stuff as well. So get a hold of him. Let him know that we sent you and that he didn't waste his uh, sponsorship dollars on us tonight. So uh, thanks, Garrett, for uh, for helping us out and letting us go to two Facebook pages and a YouTube page. We really appreciate it. Okay. Let's have some fun. So we're going to do a couple things tonight. We're going to, of course, talk about the stuff that we, we've always wanted to say um, or times that we've we've had something that we had to keep to ourselves and didn't say out loud because, you know, reasons, right? We, we have to maintain a, an air of professionality, mm -hmm. professionalism. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes you just you can't say that. Um, maybe one of these nights we'll have a whole show about uh, things in retail that you've <laughs> you wish you could say and you couldn't because some of us work retail uh, things as a teacher that mm. you wish you could say and couldn't. I mean, mm. you know, some of this is probably going to be a little universal between instructors and, and high school teachers. But um, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, things that instructors want you to know before you come to class. And then we're going to give uh, Travis and Defense Dad and, and people out there in the live chat uh, a chance just as as non-instructors, as as firearm uh, students, just a chance to, to ask some questions and, and uh, you know, find out some things that, that they might want to know just in, in general, not about specific classes. Um, but uh, you get a chance to, to ask an instructor uh, before we're all wrapped up here, too. So. All right. Uh, over there in the private chat. Yes. Defense. Dad. We can't put that up on screen, but there are some things that, yeah, we can't even say here tonight because we do try to keep it family friendly. So we will uh, we'll edit as we need to. Uh, but but yes, you, you one of the things we'll just kick that one out there first. Yeah. Just just in general, a blanket statement while you're in class, you really shouldn't. You can't say, you know, what the F's wrong with you, even though no. we've all been there. We've all thought yeah. it. I Not could, but I'd go viral, and then I'd probably be sent home. Yeah, that would happen. Just saying. Yeah. Do you? Uh, well, here's the thing, though. Do you allow uh, phones in your classroom, Travis? Because maybe you wouldn't go viral. Not during instruction time. No. Well, but somebody would sneak it and turn it on, and 
it would probably happen. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah, they're in their bags in their pockets, but <laughs> yeah, kids can whip them out in two seconds, but not during instruction time. So no. So, all right, um, Pat, I see your question out there. We will try to remember to, to I'm not going to circle back to that, but we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to remember to work that one back in here. So, so first and foremost, I'm going to let our, uh, our, our guests kind of lead this off. So Rob and, and, uh, Beth and Sean, um, the way that we do this is, is I am the host, but I try not to be the, the one that monopolizes all the talking and just calls on you for a minute or two at a time. So, this is just uh, six people sitting around a table, uh, enjoying some drinks or a campfire, whatever it is. Everybody gets a chance to talk. And if you're, uh, you know, we're trying not to walk on anybody. We'll try to, to let people cut in as, as we need to here. So uh, Rob or, or Beth and Sean, um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you've, you've had happen where you really wanted to say something, um, but, <clears throat> but you just couldn't. And it doesn't have to be specifically about a person, but just about, a situation where I can't believe somebody actually said this, did this, asked that, whatever. No, there are limitations. I know that right. covers a lot of stuff, but so many times they come in and they want to do, you know, like a level three class and they'll tell you that, Hey, I've, I've taken, you know, you know, a dozen different classes. And it's like, if you moved and, sh and shot before, you know, advanced skills well, and they're like, Oh yeah, we did that a lot. And then you have them come to class and then you find out it's like, okay, you you were uh, not moving and shooting the way that I want you to do it, so you end up having to take steps back and going along, bringing them up to speed of where they need to be in order to be safe. I mean, a lot of these things isn't just about a skill, but it's about being safe with everybody else that's on the range with them also. Yeah, and that that's what I was going to ask. Is it more of a safety issue where they, they just flat out don't know the, the right way to observe the four rules of gun safety a lot of the time? Mm -hmm. Well, it's partly that. And partly where if they're, if their draw on their move is so much slower than everybody else's, they're getting out and, you know, somebody's doing a draw and first shot in a second and a half, but you've got somebody else who's at like four or five seconds. You've sure. got such a difference between them that you've really got to, you know, be watching and uh, take special note of that because during that four, four second draw time, they're fumbling with it. They're trying to get a good grip on their gun. They're trying to do all these different things that... Um, if they had practiced or had been under the, under the right instructor during those uh, previous classes, they would have been able to draw confidently and then put shots on target. I don't care if you're, you know, 1.25 or, or, or 1.75, you still know how to draw properly. But when you have somebody who's into the, you know, three and a half to four second range, it's like, yeah, you're not really in the, in the proper drawing, uh, league with everybody else. I'll just tell you as a student, that's frustrating when they have to stop class. I've been in classes where they had to stop it because, and I obviously look at me, I don't do a bunch of the shoot and move ones, but I've been in classes where um, <laughs> they, the students were so ill-prepared, they couldn't draw without flagging in their own support hand when they were coming to do the draw. So as a student, that's, that's frustrating. And it's tough because they don't realize they don't know what they don't know. So mm -hmm. uh, let me let me segue or bounce off of that by saying first, I well us because we are a thing, me and you. We do not. That's give the rumor. Up. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's getting pretty serious. I mean, I'd say it's pretty. We had kids, so I'd say yeah. we're on the first base. So uh, Beth and I don't give up on anyone ever. Okay, you come to one of our classes. We will do whatever we have to do to get you there. Okay. 
let me preface what I'm going to say with all of that. We absolutely try our best. But something I want to say at the end of some of these is, hey, I don't know that the earth is a safer place if you have a gun in your hand. <laughs> I don't know that for the good of humanity, you should have a firearm. Now, I might be streaming that internally, but I'm still going to work with them. And so is Beth to get them confident because it is a journey, right? It's a lifestyle. It's not just something you can do, but like for what Rob was saying is a lot of people don't know what they don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. They are a danger to the rest of the inhabitants of the planet earth with their tool of self-defense. And now let me just throw this out here too, as we're discussing some of this, uh, if you're if you're out there watching, listening, and, and you're a student, you've been to a few classes, or maybe you're thinking about doing some classes, um, and and uh, you know maybe with with one of us at some point. Uh, just remember that if you are in that that situation where your your skills are not honed, they're not super sharp, you you need some work on some of that. That doesn't mean that you don't have a place in one of our classes. Right. That means you don't have a place in one of the advanced level classes. Right. So, the, and that's what we're talking about is, you know, we've got, we've all got classes for beginners where that's where we work with some of this stuff. And, and we want to show you the, the right foundation to build upon so that by the time you get up to that third level class or whatever it is, then, you know, you're not holding somebody back. So we we're we're ranting tonight. We're, we're grumping, but again, it's, it's about people that should know better, not yeah. about people who don't know better um, or, or, you know, they, they're, how do I say this? Uh, again, you don't know what you don't know. And, and that we're, we're not grumping at the people who honestly are looking to learn more. We're grumping at the people who think that they know what we know or more than we do. Mm -hmm. so. Exactly. One thing I would uh, add to that is if somebody's unsure about that, um, I always give my number out, you know, when somebody signs up for a course, I always go along, you know, here's, here's the expectations, but here's my number. If you got any questions mm -hmm. to make sure that if they've got questions like, well, this is all I've done, or this is who I've taken courses from, how well does that match up to the, what you have here? Because you don't want to have them in a level three class when they really need to be in a level one. And right. I'll, I'll echo Beth and Sean's uh, sentiment also to where I don't like giving up on anybody. But, but at the same time, time, if I'm spending a lot more time with one person, then the other people in class may not get as much attention. We may not get through as much material that day. And that's where trying to trying to keep that in the balance and, and be honest with it is more more uh, you know what I was talking about. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that it's not something that we can't say, this is something that, that I think most instructors do say when we get somebody who who uh, has kind of jumped uh jumped into the deep end a little bit there um, and is in over their head in, in a class, you know, I don't know an instructor who's not willing to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with a private lesson. Absolutely. And that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to, to only take uh, a structured class. I mean, we're willing to do one-on-one -on -one lessons and work on the stuff that you need to work on. You might not need to learn everything that's in the class, only one or two of those things. So, Let's build upon what you have learned and then add some stuff to that, smooth it all out and get you ready for when it is time to take the concealed carry class or the run and gun class or whatever it is. And then you'll be safe, you'll be confident, and you'll enjoy it a lot more than being absolutely scared about yeah. what, you're what you're being asked to do. Yep, exactly right. And then when you get to those classes and you, so you see somebody else who is maybe holding up the group, then you'll, you know, you'll be 
thank goodness that's not me. You know, even if it's a little annoying, even as a student to have somebody, uh, you know, that needs a little extra one-on-one -on -one time in class with the instructor. I mean, it's, it's nice to know that, Hey, you know, at least I, I know what I need to know to, to be here and I belong here. So that's nice. I got a question for Rob, Beth and Sean. Go have you it. guys ever said anything to a student that ticked them off or ever had a student get so frustrated that they just walked out of the class? I don't mean to tell on my husband, but Sean, would you tell the story about the lady's gun when you basically <laughs> told her it was Look, a piece I, of crud? Walter PPF is a fine pistol. There's no reason why a confident male can't <laughs> brandish that. That's every man wants one. They just won't admit it. Anyway, go on. Sometimes you get real bias on your firearms choices i mean yeah. it's okay that glocks suck i mean it's okay guys <laughs> you know, this will segue into really, my second question so totally go on. okay there's nothing wrong with that i'm just kidding please don't hate me <laughs> so you you as an instructor you develop your personal preferences you know i like these they like those and that's okay and then a student brings a gun to the class that has spent time on the bottom of the dead sea that was dredged up in some sort of mining expedition that has got coral growing on it. And as you, this is, of course, it's a revolver from the 1810s. Black powder, of course. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yep. As, as you press the trigger and the cylinder rotates, it's like an old, it's like a grinder going off and there's sparks coming out of where the forcing cone and the cylinder. And, you know, it just, it's just insane. And so you're compelled as an instructor to say things like your gun sucks. And then you hear the story behind it about how they got it for $35. It's all they can afford because they're a single parent and they are, uh, you know, they work at whatever for less than minimum wage. And you just go, oh, gosh. True story. It's, you know, it's learning moments is in a young, young, uh, young alpha male, <laughs> alpha males instructor career. But then, you know what? At the end of the day, you say, you know what? That's great. Let's get some uh, sandblasting on this and some WD-40, roll tide, and let's keep on going. You know what I mean? And let's train with what you got. And that's the way it is. That's how we That's how we adapt as instructors. And I think that story, as uncomfortable as it was, it's taught both of us to just be extra cautious because yeah. we do as instructors, we all have our bias when it comes to yeah. gear, guns, accessories, practically right? everything that you could think of. There could be an argument, a discussion, a disagreement, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. even though that was really sad and unfortunate and, oh my gosh, my heart was breaking for that, that lady that truly was the only thing she could afford. And that was her carry gun, or that was her, maybe not her carry gun, but her home defense gun. So now both of us are like, okay, mm, you know, that, that doesn't take part in the classroom discussion. We try to be as supportive and as caring as we can. And like, like Sean said, let's work, run it, let's run it, run it, know? work with what you've got to the best of your ability. And maybe they'll discover that, you know what, this isn't such a great gun after all. <laughs> my well, and, and I mean, my journey is just beginning as an instructor, but I've already had scenarios where, you know, somebody's asked me, Hey, this is what I have. Is, is this a good gun? And, and I'll, you know, okay. So the, the one I'm thinking of, yeah, it's a good gun. I don't think it's the best gun for you and the purpose that you've chosen it yeah. for. So, and, and that person understands, I mean, we've been through it on the range and, and uh, um, they understand that with a different gun, they would be able to, to rack the slide easier and, and actually get hits easier. Uh, you know, it's a little too small in a nine millimeter for a beginner. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's not a bad gun. It, it doesn't suck. It's not a crap gun. It's a great gun, but it's not, it shouldn't be your, your gun to learn with because 
it's going to be a lot harder to learn with. And so, yeah, I mean, that student's already looking for something different and planning on, you know, they they know that's not their forever gun. Mm -hmm. I will say this, though. With dedication and time, anybody can pretty much get um, competent, efficient with any kind of gun, really. I mean, it just, it's your, what is an acceptable learning curve and how much time, effort, and energy are you willing to put into learning that, that firearm? But anybody could do it. It's just like you said, John, it's, well, is this the gun for you right now? No, this is not it. But if you're willing to train with it and do what it takes to get good with it, then it could be. Well, and along with that too, we try to be cautious that it's easier to change gear than it is to change technique. So if there's a way to kind of maybe encourage them, motivate them, point them in the right direction, you know, do that. Otherwise work with what you got. (laughs) Something I learned early on in my instructor career is I go along and inspect the equipment they're going to use on the range that day. And the reason I do that isn't because it was dredged up from the dead sea. Like Sean had, it's because I went along one time we were doing a shooting qualification and this guy was down at the other end of the range, a couple shots, and then he'd rack the slide and around go, uh, go uh, flying out and hit the ground, do a couple more and he'd do it again. And I went down and I asked him, okay, why are you doing this? Because I'm seeing all these live rounds on the ground. He's like, oh, it's, it's okay. I'm good. Well, he worked for a local range and he went along and thought he would save some money on getting a certification because the range also did their own reloading. So all the ammo that failed the, the QA process, he, st- he saved and brought it to class. Wow. <laughs> he had no idea if they were underloaded, overloaded, good primer, bad primer, all those types of things. Okay. I mean, and it's like, I'll tell you what, you you can buy some of my ammo because I'm not going to have you, you know, using ammo that's bad. But I've got one more that was about a year later that did a similar type of thing. But this time, the guy's gun was all jammed up because he had powder down inside the entire trigger mechanism. And looking at it, found out that, again, he worked at another gun shop where they did reloading. And he decided to take a couple bricks of ammo off the reloading table. That had not been crimped. Well, oh, no. if you had not crimped, all the <laughs> recoil shakes the bullet loose from the case. And when they start loading into the chamber of the gun, dump gunpowder into there. So I go along now it? and it's like, okay, let me see <laughs> your guns. Let me up. see your ammo and make sure <laughs> that it looks you know, quality because those two instances could have really um, ended bad um, yeah. if, something, if something would have snuck in there. So, so question then for you guys, if somebody shows up with like a heritage rough rider where you've got to basically disassemble it to reload it, do you try to push them off into something different for the class to speed it up just because Here's of the my 50 gun. shots they might have to take? Borrow this. Okay. I was curious if you guys do that because my, I have a family member that took a concealed carry class and somebody brought a rough rider and it added like an hour to the class time because every drill they had to run, this person had to stop. The whole class had to stop. The class took like an extra two hours wow. and they yeah, didn't give that, that person a different gun. So I just thought for just time's sake that not because yeah. the gun can't shoot or you can't nope. shoot or it's good to train on what you're, what you're going to carry, mm-hmm. but you know, so, okay. That would be a good, a one-on-one or some other lesson, some other time yeah, for let's... the class and the sake of just efficiency. We definitely bring extra, extra firearms of all 
shapes and sizes, mostly the same caliber. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll bring a 22 if we feel like yeah. it. I try to get all of our, even our brand new students to use mm -hmm. a nine just, just because, because I want to, because I want them to see that they can do it, you know, give them the confidence. And anyway, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through that kind of a torture though. The rest Let's of the class paid for the time too. They don't, they don't need to suffer. Let's go ahead and file under the, the things that instructors want you to know. If you're going to come to class with a single action revolver of any caliber, maybe make sure that it is a single action revolver class. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, if <laughs> Don't bring your Derringer. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're coming to class where everybody else is going to be running automatics or, uh, you know, swing out revolvers, double action revolvers, then that may not be the best place for you. Again, you may be in the wrong class. Your gun's great, mm -hmm. but you're in the wrong setting. Uh, so maybe bring a different one or find a different class. But again, um, yeah, I mean, if it's, you know, I, I go back to in, in our state, we still have to get a permission slip from the state to put our coat on over top of our firearm. Yeah. And so because uh, we tried and died this year with with uh, constitutional carry, missed it, the missed it by two votes to send it off to final oh. reading. Two votes. I mean, it needed 33. They only had 31. But anyway, mm. um, if. If you are in an area where that's your gun, it's a single action revolver, and that's what you're going to carry, then spend some time, practice with it, but just understand that, yeah, it's going to take a little time uh, for, for you to, to catch up to everybody when it comes to reloads and whatnot. So practice them ahead of time and, and get as fast as can be with those. Um, but yeah, I, I do know people out in where I came from in North central Nebraska, that that's their gun is a single action, single action revolver. And that's all they have. And they want to be able to carry it. So, yeah. I've seen that happen in, in a class too. There wasn't a single action, but there was a gal, she showed up to the CHP class and her husband, she was recently widowed and she was in her late sixties, I believe shows up with her, her you know, deceased husband's snub nose 44 mag. Mm. And, you know, Justin was a really nice guy. He's like, here, I tell you what, I'll give you some instruction after class with that, but why don't you go ahead and shoot this during the class? Yeah. So I've seen instructors do that. Yeah. And if you're unsure as a somebody wanting to take a class, as an instructor, we love when people reach out and ask questions beforehand. We yeah. love that. Communication before class, if you're unsure about what gear to bring, if you're wearing some kind of weird flip-flop holster and you're and you're bringing the, the firearm and the flip-flop holster to a concealed carry class, <laughs> let's figure that out before you get there so that you can use your gear and get as good as you can be with your gear. So reach out to your instructor. If you're not sure, even a little bit, I don't know of an instructor on earth that would be like, you know, not stupid. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe you're asking me questions. That's so dumb. Yeah, and, and I wait until class. I don't know of a good instructor that's going to think you're stupid, right? For asking no. that stuff. If they no do, way. then I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. They're not a good instructor. Yeah. Um, there are bad instructors out there. You know, um, so so yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one way to 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 start feeling out an instructor is just ask some questions and see how they treat you with with their answers and if they treat you like you're dumb or you should know better because you know it's it's not an advanced level class then i don't know they may that mills may spill over into the classroom with them too or onto the range so um but yeah we'll we'll have to see um so okay let me uh let me ask you guys this one and get get your opinions 
because we all, I mean, it's going to make everybody's eyes roll, I'm guessing, but you get that student that tells you that they're good to go. They're not going to need much help because they're a 20 year veteran in law enforcement, or they spent 10 years in the military or 25 years, whatever it is. So they've been trained. They just need to do this because they have to. What do we you tell it those folks? Where, um, <laughs> the husband and wife show up and the husband is basically there for the class so that the wife can learn. Uh-huh. And when that happens, Sean and I kind of look at each other like, Oh, oh, oh. Mm. well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you should, Maybe mm-hmm. you should teach the class. Today. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. And what always, not always, that's an absolute word. I can't say that, but what has happened several times is that the husband kind of sits back, like, yeah, I know all this. And then you get to the shooting portion. And their sights are always off. I don't know what's wrong with these the sights. The sun's in their eyes. It's these, so weird. <laughs> these sights need to be adjusted. Sean, can you come shoot this gun? These sights are way off. And then their wife does really awesome. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. the sights. They put them together wrong from the factory yep. every time. Just on the just on the husband's guns. Yep. And just mm-hmm. on the know-it-alls. Yeah. You know, it's a know-it-all. It's a thing. They they pick the guns with the bad sights. You mean that four hundred dollar Trujicon red dot's not zeroed? No, really? it, it's not at all. Wow. It's, okay. it's generally a low yeah. and left. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Oh yeah. Oh, I hate when my gun does that. Yeah, so annoying. I'm an instructor, and sometimes my gun still does that because I have not got my gun trained properly. Right, yeah. it, yeah, it yeah. takes a lot of effort. You know, mm-hmm. it's an inanimate object that requires a lot of training. Yeah, it well, in I, I should okay. One of my guns, my Glock, is fine. Just because it's the phenomenal firearm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Perfection. Remember that. As, as much Perfection. as it suck, mine, I, I still like mine because it does what I tell it to. So. Yeah. They're very obedient. It's it's a German Austrian. Uh, you know, they're, they're very obedient. It's a, it's right. A, it's it's my a, one that came out of Massachusetts that I have troubles with. Yeah. Very disobedient group up there. <laughs> oh, man. You know, one thing I think that um, I find when uh, you've got vets, you've got police, uh, when they come to classes for me for advanced classes or for, you know, the CCW classes, I find they learn a lot. They learn a lot because when you're in the military, you're not really learn. You're, you don't learn how to go along and draw and shoot quickly. Mm. The the, your pistol is something that you fight to your rifle with. So there's a lot less emphasis and they're all uh, leg drop, uh, drop side hole holsters. So when they start going along talking about being inside the waistband or carrying concealed, it's a completely different type of motion to it. And even when it comes to police officers, you go along, okay, they're carrying something every single day, but they're used to uh, carrying the safari land holster where they've got to go along and slide the hood forward. They've got to go along to depre- depress the lever, twist the gun out to make, to make it happen. And that's great. But at the same time, if they're carrying concealed, they need to know how to properly carry concealed um, with with a firearm. It's not going to work the same. They're going to waste a whole lot of time if they're on their inside of the waistband and they're trying to slide a hood for that doesn't doesn't exist. And that's where having a good eye to build to uh, help them when it comes to the draw, help them um, improve when it comes to their shooting. Um, police officers have a very hard job, but they don't really learn how to be good marksmen. They learn they learn how to go along and put and fire shots downrange into a B twenty seven target. Great, right. they're competent with it, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to make that fifty yard shot or you know even a thirty yard shot with it. And that's where you come to my classes and we discuss that. When would you? Why would you do that? And then practicing a little bit so you know the limitations of your uh, skills because you don't want to go along and 
try to make a shot like that and then end up hitting the, you know, the nun that's behind, behind that um, active killer or something else like that. Right. So that brings me to a question that I wanted to bring up tonight in, in light of uh, uh, Elijah uh, Dickon, the, the good Samaritan, as we call him there in Indiana um, at the, uh, the shopping mall shooting there. Um, there, I mean, I'm seeing posts all over the place of the, the new, the, the Dickon drill and practicing at the 40 yard uh, target and all that kind of stuff. So have you, have you had people approach you yet wanting to uh, wanting you to train them how to get hits um, in 15 seconds, you know, at 40 yards. Uh, And if you, if you haven't, or if you do, what, what do you, what do you tell those students? I mean, based on what, what it is that you teach in your classes, is this a thing that, that you think people ought to be learning or what do you guys think there? That's a very, interesting topic and my personal belief um you know sean and i enjoy competition shooting when we can we we enjoy just going for fun and practicing and of course we also want to train and i feel like there's definitely a line of separation between those things where fun is is just different the mentality is different the shooting is different and the technique sometimes is a little different and all the time we'll kind of challenge ourselves like how far away is that that gong let's shoot that you know and we'll take our our handguns and you know see if we can do it just for the sake of can we do it and i do believe that if you want to be good at a 25 yard shot shoot a 40 yard shot if you want to be better at a 15 yard shot shoot the 25 yard i do believe that there is value to pushing yourself to those distances and then all of a sudden realizing Oh my gosh, if I'm applying the skills as far as a smooth trigger press and I've got good sight picture side alignment and I'm not adding additional movement to the gun to the best of my ability, I can make that 40 yard shot. But then how much easier it becomes or it feels when you're taking that shot at 10 yards, seven yards, five yards. Ultimately, if we're thinking of defensive shooting, however, and that's what Sean and I are mostly involved with teaching people how to use a firearm for self-defense or home defense, we've got to look at the empirical data. We got to look at the research. We got to look at things like Force Science Institute and and look at where are these uh, incidences usually occurring. And of course, it's between, I don't know, or nine and 15, nine feet. and 15 feet at the most. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to put the majority of our practice. That's where we're going to front load our practice. That's where we're going to put most of our effort and energy. And then, okay, fine. You want to learn 40 yards? We'll do that. But the mentality of that is going to be much, much different. And I think, too, working with the USCCA and dealing with a lot of questions that are like, well, what's the lawyer going to say? Or what's the judge or the prosecutor or whatever? You got to consider Mm -hmm. things like that. There aren't very many situations in which average Joe or Jane need to take a 40 yard shot. So right. And and one of the one off, one of the things that, that goes into my mind and may or may not come out my mouth in a fairly diplomatic fashion, you know, in a, in a situation like that is, you know, and, and I'm not talking specifically about Mr. Dickon, what he did saved a ton of lives. And I am very thankful that he was there and could do what he did and maybe that was a, a God thing, just like David taking down Goliath with right. one rock. I don't know, but thank goodness that that killer didn't get to kill everybody there. Okay, now just in general, in that scenario, though, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, you know, my 
my students, I, I teach my students to try to get out of a situation if they can. If you take it upon yourself to save lives, that's that's something that you have to decide. You've got to look at the person in the mirror for the rest of your life and and make it right with them what you did or didn't do. Okay, that's not my choice to make. But if I can get my wife out of that food court and get mm -hmm. the other way and I can get her out of there safely, then happy meal for me. Uh, it, mm -hmm. It's a win. You know, so that's also a thing that, I mean, instructors, I think it's it's okay to say that it's a great thing that he did. And if that's what you want to train to do, you can train to do that. But again, in a defensive scenario class, that's not what we're going to focus on. What we're going to focus on is knowing where the exits are and getting your family out of there safely or getting you out of there safely home to your family. Well, so, one thing he I'll... wasn't alone. He was with his girlfriend. Right. And one thing I'll add to what, what Beth just talked about too, if you want to, if you, you can't be good at 30, 40, 50 yards, if you're not good at 10. So yeah. as you go from 10 to 15, <laughs> 15 to 20, you've got to go along and start looking at, okay, this is the way, way I'm doing it. One of the things that I introduce my students um, at times is we'll shoot back to 20 yards. And then somehow the cone after they take a break is back to uh, 30 yards. And they're shooting, you know, they're shooting good groups st still, but I go along and then notice after all done shooting that, Hey, look at this. We're actually at 30 yards instead of the 20 yards. And they realize like, wow, you know, I thought that target looked a little smaller. And it's like, keep that in mind because that's a reference point for you about what the targets going to look in front of you when you're back that distance. I haven't done quite the 40 yard mark yet, but still you've got to, you've got to make sure in that zero to 10 yard that you are competent because. You're going to have, you know, 99% of all your self-defense situations where you're trying to get them, get the person away from your family, getting them away from you, all those kind of situations with which a majority of uh, instructors are trying to teach from a defensive mindset. Yeah, exactly right. So, so yeah, I mean, that that's a, a big thing that instructors are thinking too, is if, again, if you've got that instructor who's <laughs> only going to teach you how to be Charles Bronson or, or Rambo and Dirty isn't going to... It, sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if that's your instructor's mindset and that's what, what they wanted. Now, if you went there specifically to learn that, then good on you. But if, if, again, if this is a self-defense class that's designed to get you home safe to your family, yeah, you know, again, maybe vet that instructor a little bit and maybe you might be in the wrong place. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're not again, uh, and I haven't seen it happen no, I don't think anybody's named names out in the in the comments either, and we're not naming names here, but there are bad instructors out there, like I said. And so that's a, a few things that we want you to know before you come to class too, is just how to pick a good instructor. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week too, um, but I mean, that that's a big thing is find out, number one, know a goal. Have your goal. What do you want to learn? And then how, how do you get there? You know, I want to learn how to do that stuff that John Wick does. Okay, cool. Then shouldn't sign up with Taryn Butler for your class first off. You need to learn all the foundations first. You're going to take it's going to take you a lot of classes to get there. But when you do, you're going to be pretty badass. So, if that is the goal, then work up to the goal, but understand that you you can't just jump in and and do that without going through there's no shortcuts to it. There's no shortcuts to getting good at anything, whether it's shooting a basketball, driving a race car, shooting a rifle or a pistol or whatever it else, whatever else it is, even being able to get on screen and, and talk without getting tongue tied. 
there's no shortcuts to that. Trust me, I know. <laughs> and it's a perishable skill too. So don't go out this yeah. weekend, knock it out, and it's like, wow, I'm going to be the next Eli Dickens, and then not go go along and try that same drill. You know, at least once a month, at least yeah. going out and, and pulling the trigger several times to make sure you can not only make the three yard shot, but but also those thirty and forty yard shots confidently. Because keep in mind, he was only eighty percent. Um, successful on our shots and luckily there was nobody behind behind the bad guy for those two that he missed exactly yeah another big elephant in the room that we haven't discussed or i haven't heard discussed much is you know those two shots i don't know where the bullets landed well if you're so if you're a good instructor like you said john you're you're telling these people in your classes um you know, it's probably a better bet to get the heck out of there. If you're at 50 yards away from an incident, then you're better off getting the heck out of there because, and what you just said is brings up a, the penalty for a miss. Okay. Yeah. What if the penalty for a miss for those two rounds is really high and you're not the good guy with the gun. You're now the bad guy with the gun in addition to the mass murderer. So Yes, he gets shot by the police, but then you also go to jail as a murderer because you could inadvertently hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- because the penalty for a miss. So, you know, most people coming through a basic class, concealed carry class, you you have people who are super dedicated, and then you got people who are just beginning. There really is in the in the world of fuck hand in the face. There really is no. There isn't a whole lot of middle ground. You're either super dedicated high speed right. low drag shooter or yeah i got my chp five years ago i shot my gun then mm-hmm. and there's this false sense of you know people going to the range and looking at their target that has holes all over the place thinking yeah that's good enough that'll get them well at five yards if you're missing like that that stress circle is going to open up even more in the real world and <coughs> that penalty for a miss could put you in jail yeah. Or could get mm-hmm. someone killed. So that's something that we have to include as instructors because this stuff is serious. And we don't yeah, get and, to take that accident back. And again, for anybody just joining us, we're not picking apart Eli Dickin or what he did at no, all. No. This is this is generalizing now. But yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, again, that's why I just think that, that there was divine intervention in Indiana that day. Because, I mean, in a in a normal situation, the odds of two two misses that didn't strike anybody uh mm. you know any innocence um at 40 yards yeah i mean it's just it's amazing and maybe he miracle. recognized maybe he recognized that there were no innocent bystanders around that person mm-hmm. and he assessed the risk in that moment and figured that you know he and knew what his target was what, what was beyond heard, around. I mean, he did his best to to find a makeshift rest in the field and tried to brace yep. against uh against a pillar and i mean he did everything right and and i mean kudos to somebody who's that young Mm. you know and and knew what to do and how to do it and again i mean it's it's an amazing thing i want people to recognize that it's an amazing thing and it's probably a once in a lifetime thing and it's it's probably not always going to go down like that right no matter how no matter how we train one one thing that people don't realize and um uh we're uh where uh, Eli Dickens is from is only about 40 miles away from my house here. So I know some a little bit of background. 
he's still being investigated from the by the uh, DA for everything. He has not been cleared of any criminal charges. There you go. And as much as the chief of police is saying he's a hero and everybody else like that, and from what I know, I would completely expect him to be cleared. It could be six months. Look yeah. at Jack Wilson when he saved, you know, his church yeah, congregation. Right. It was six months before they said, yep, you're good. And yeah. think about that weighing on your shoulders for those mm -hmm. six months. I mean, what Eli did taking that upon himself to save all those people is is heroic. But now he's got to go along and think, okay, should I've just shot two rounds? Should I've shot three? Are they going to go along and, you know, come up with something and charge me with it? Um, you know, any, anything's possible uh, with it. And that's where you've got to be very um, deliberate and where you step in and which, what you actually do because of the, because of the cost of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing that people need to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as, as an instructor, as a gun owner, as someone who chooses a concealed carry lifestyle, I think I can say, you know, I celebrate his win and I'm just grateful and thankful for what he did, but that doesn't mean I need to go copy it or encourage mm -hmm. others to do the same. So I think, you know, people need to understand that mindset. I, I have no judgment over what happened. You know, I'm not going to sit there and pretend I know exactly what went through his mind or what was going on in the scenario, but that doesn't mean we can't celebrate what he was able to accomplish and just, yeah. you know, move on with what we were doing originally. No change in plans, continue yeah. to train the same way and just, you know, thank God that things turned out sure. that way that day for him in that situation. And that's something, again, going back to what Rob said about, you know, know your limitations, or if you don't know them, then work them out with an instructor. Yeah. So you know what your limitations are and then yeah, work to, to stretch them out. Of course, if you can, but at the same time, know, know what you can do, know what you can't do, know what your gun can and can't do. Um, and I tell everybody, in my classes, if you're wanting to put little bitty groups into little bitty bullseyes, then you're in the wrong class because I'm not that guy. I will teach you the safety and fundamentals that you need in order to find that guy or that gal and take the class to learn to shoot little bitty groups and little bitty bullseyes. But that's not right now what I teach. It's not in my repertoire. So let's get let's get the fundamentals down so that when you get there, you already know how to be safe and responsible. You already know how to aim and, and press a trigger and follow through so that they can go ahead and teach you the parts that you need to know. You know how you that, discover so. your limitations? Training. Yeah. Exactly. You figure that out on the range. So you've got to practice. So so let's do this one. Um, I'll ask you guys this question, too as far as things that, that we want to say to people, or maybe we do, but, um, you know, you can, you can speak freely of the thing, what you want to tell people when they say, you know, you, they find out you're an instructor and that, that you offer firearms classes and, and they say, Oh, um, I don't think I need to take a class. I'm, I'm good. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're concealed carrying. Maybe it's a state where they haven't, you know, it's not a requirement to take any training or, or get a permission slip. You know, I, I, yeah, I concealed carry, but I just, I don't, I don't see the purpose. You know, I don't think I need to spend money on a class. So what goes through your mind? And then what do you tell them? Cause I'm sure it's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Ohio just passing theirs and we've had Kentucky, I think for a little over two years and now Indiana, right in that pocket where I am now we're all constitutional carry all the way around. And there's a lot of people that are just like, Hey, I'm going to carry. I don't need to, and I'm all good. And it's like, that's great. That's your right to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them, okay, but 
do you understand that you can't carry in a post office? Like, no, it's constitutional carry. I can carry wherever I want. Like, if you want a federal felony, yeah, carry in a post office (laughs) or in a government building or in school zones or different things. And all of a sudden, like, wow, this isn't as simple as just, you know, walking around with a permit list. And like, and on top of that, do you know what the requirements are as far as uh, pass a background check? Because even though you may not have to pass a background check for a license, for a permit slip, you they will go along and check if you've got domestic violence or drug charges on you, uh, different things along those lines. And people are like, oh, well, how far back do they look? It's like pretty much since you've been alive. And that's where you could potentially get into a heck of a uh, quandary to where they're like, okay, 20 years ago, John, you got arrested with, um, you know, a small amount of marijuana on it. So you pleaded out that case, but now you're going along carrying concealed. And our prosecutor says that that's, you know, that means you can't carry and you're going down to jail for the night. That would ruin your day to say the least. And those those are the things that people need to know and understand because there are ways to expunge your record. But if you don't know about it, you're going to make the mistake of getting pulled over for speeding or you're going to be in an accident, something along those lines. And then you're going to go along and find out the hard way to where it's like, you know, Mr. Anderson, can you turn around, put your hand behind, uh, hands behind you? Yeah. And you're like, but, 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 like, but I didn't know. Yeah. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You know, and, and now here's a fun one in, in our state here in Nebraska, we, we have, we're not a stand your ground state at all. And our castle doctrine is abysmal. And so uh, we have a duty to retreat in public. The only place we don't have a duty to retreat is our home or our workplace. However, deadly force is still not justified unless we're an imminent threat. So even in our home or in our workplace, we don't have to run away, but that's it. We, we, you know, we're not in a state where you can shoot first and ask questions later, but people don't know that. And everybody thinks that it's okay. You know, somebody kicks in my door, I'm just going to start blasting. Well, okay, that's not a thing that you can do. And again, that's a thing that makes those of us who teach the law in our respective states or a a multitude of states, I mean, at best, we're going to smile and shake our head and walk away. Um, you know, in our mind, we're thinking, I hope you've got a good lawyer or I hope you don't drop the soap in the shower because you're going to jail. I mean, that's just, you're again, this isn't only to, uh, when you're an instructor, uh, and we're dealing with firearms, you, you need to know so much more than don't point the muzzle at something that you can't afford to replace, you know, keep your finger off the trigger. Yeah. That's, those are fundamentals and everybody needs to know them. And I always say, if you think that you've gotten to the point where you don't need to hear them, that's when you need to hear them again. So the thing is, though, there's so much more that you need to know to be a responsibly armed American citizen. Because And the laws are a big one. And they, they trip up so many people and you can get jammed up so easy, just like Rob was saying. If you're in a state where you, can, you don't have to uh, ask permission to carry your firearm open or concealed, either one or both, then it would behoove you to take a class and learn the law because again you can look all this stuff up and learn it on your own if you want to (laughs) but are you sure that you're getting it right that you understand it right who do you ask who do you clarify through that's what instructors do again you could pay a lawyer i'm sure they would love to bill Mm. you for their time to go over this stuff most of them aren't going to do pro bono work on that unless they've been hired by somebody else to to come in and do it but uh that's just it is again these are things that instructors 
you know, what we what we want to say is um, you're an idiot. And again, ignorance of the law is not an excuse. So have fun in jail, buddy. What we actually say is you might want to do some research on that and check it out. Uh, here's a class that we offer if you want to come check it out sometime. You know, that's what we end up saying. But we're thinking that's that's maybe not the best way to, to approach your life is. So anyway, I started blasting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> John, I wanted to say something with the carry class. You know, I took it in Nebraska. We were required to. And I'm glad that the instructor, when I took it, highlighted several of the state statutes because you try to read the language. And it's confusing because they have exceptions yes. to the rule and exceptions to the exceptions of the rule. And the one that still gets me every time is when you get into a basically gun-free zone, you have to make sure that your gun is locked in a box when you get in the parking lot. You know, can you explain that one to me real quick? Okay, concealed carriers, you if you exit your vehicle, you can't. It's got to be in the lockbox in the trunk. But how do you get out to put it in the trunk without setting foot on the property and breaking the law first? Well, that's not actually the case. You can have it in the lockbox in the in the car. Well, like if it's on you and say you get out of the school parking lot and you're going to yeah. go stow it in your lockbox. No, it, it doesn't have to was... be in the trunk is what I'm saying, even in Nebraska. Well, you, what you was can... the law about that? There's something about it, though, that we that we questioned. They said, well, how are you supposed to get it in there without setting foot on the property? You know, because that and that just shows you even I get confused about the laws. Sure. You know, well, here's yeah. what's really fun, though. Here, here in order to be compliant with the law in my town, because we've got a fun post office that has its own parking lot. Okay. So mm -hmm. in order to be legal, if I if I have to run and uh, take something into the post office uh, to, to mail off a package or something like that, the only way I'm legal is A, leave my uh, sidearm at home, or B, I can drive over to the edge of the parking lot, which is in front of a, a semi-trailer repair shop. It's out on the edge of town. If I wanted to, I could step out there when I'm not in on federal property and just leave my gun laying in the ditch and then drive into the post office. Smart. Yeah, let's go with I that I mean, one. that's an option yeah. <laughs> or just leave it home. Or again, even, even locked in a safe in your vehicle is a federal <laughs> offense when you're on a post, you know, when you're on federal property, if you're in the post office parking lot, that's actually postal property, even if it's locked up, then, then you're a felon, whether you get busted for it or not, you're committing a felony. Um, and and yeah, it's again you can get jammed up so quick. Now, if if it's a small town post office and you pull up uh, on the street and park on the street, yeah, then you can just disarm in your car and go in there. But again, even you know like what Travis is talking about. So if uh, if you're carrying in Nebraska and you you go pick your kid up, then you know as long as you're in your car, you can even be on the school parking lot and not be in trouble here. But if you have to get out of the car, then what you need to do is is have a have a, a lockbox that is tethered to the like the frame of the seat or something like that. Pull the lockbox out, disarm, lock your gun up, and then put it, you know, or you can have it if your glove box locks. It's got to be something else with a lock besides just a lock on the car door. It's got to be a second level of, of security. Well, be in the cab, it doesn't have to be in the trunk. But then, so so then here's the fun part, you know, for safety's sake, uh, so I, you know, you go in, you get your kid, whatever you talk to the teacher, you come back out, you get back in your car, you unlock your safe. And while you're seated in, in the driver's seat, then you can reholster because it's safer than stepping out and putting your feet on the school parking lot, standing up and reholstering. That is bad. It's not safe to do that, but you can do it while you're seated in your driver's seat. Then that that's the way we have to do it here. 
Well, Travis has a point, though. This is not all the state, but we live in Lincoln. There's a city ordinance. Here, it does have to be in the trunk. So, gotcha. Okay. Then, that's yes, where we that's... run into an issue. Like, let's see, like me, like I, if I'm taking my daughter to school, I carry her every day. But if I'm dropping her off at the school pickup line or picking her up, that's fine. Long little stuff. But as the minute she forgets something and I have to go run something into the office to her, Mm-hmm. Then if I set one foot on school property, then I am in violation. So then I have to go somewhere off property, disarm, store in the trunk, go all gotcha. the way back through the pickup line. So it's you need to know your. And I'm not an instructor by any means, but I've studied a lot of this. You need to know not just your state laws, but your if you have any city ordinances like the mm-hmm. stupid ones we have. Yeah. And, let, and let, me ask, let, let me ask. Let me ask you this: Rob, You, you okay. don't have to be an instructor to need to know all this stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, responsibly armed citizens need to know all this stuff, too. I'll, go ahead, Rob. Oh, I was gonna, uh, Ohio had similar law to that up until a couple of years ago to where we're now allowed to get out of the car armed and be able to put in a lockbox. But here's the one thing that kind of jammed a lot of people up. It only applied when you were dropping off or picking up a student. <laughs> if you were, if you worked there, you couldn't do it. If you were dropping off your spouse or your 18-year-old kid who was going to be tutoring there or anything else like that, only for students. And that's one of those things to where you've got to know and understand those nuances because they can jam you up very easily. Well, and some people think I'm paranoid when I tell them this, but like where I work, for example. So I work right next to the public school's district main office. There are two entrances to the parking lot where I work. One of them is school grounds. One is not. And so I'm a little paranoid. I never come in the one that's the entrance that's on school grounds because what if I happen to get pulled over and I have to stop Mm. right there and the cop asks me to, you know, step out of the vehicle, then I either have to say non-compliance or tell them what's going on. I can't, sir, ma'am. I can't. I always go, it's an extra half a block around if I'm carrying because I'm also not allowed to carry at work. So I have to, I have to disarm in the parking lot. Well, going back to what your question was, John, not only the laws surrounding carrying a firearm, but what we were talking about is your firearm skill and your abilities, right? Yeah. So for those people who think, I don't need to do that, that's not worth the money, is 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 120 bucks, however much it is, 50 bucks, is that worth you being wrong on any of the laws or any of your shooting abilities? I mean, Really? Is that is that what this is about? That you don't want to spend that amount of money amount of money? Well, what if you're wrong about all this stuff? What if you can't hit anything at five yards? What if you can't carry at your workplace because it's a felony? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for those people who are hung up about the money, that's that's a small drop in the bucket compared to mm-hmm. being wrong. Oh, spend yeah. the night in jail. But again, the, they're never gonna know that. Because they've never been in a class to to learn what they don't know. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it happens yeah, all it, the time. It is. And and the biggest issue that I have with this, it's again, I a hundred percent support people being able to do this without having to go take a class or get a permission slip. That's what I want the whole country to that's what I want the whole world to be. Um, but at least at least the whole country, or at the very least, my state. Um, but uh, but the thing is again that um you uh it would behoove you to be a responsible person yeah so um you know well i don't i will never advocate for mandating 
training or permission permission slips. But but again, I mean, the people that say, well, I, everything I need to know, I learned off YouTube. Oh, YouTube's a cesspool. I know because we're broadcasting there right now. Um, so I, I'm not the only one out here doing this stuff um, on YouTube. I know what's out there. You can get some great info and you can get some horrible info off YouTube. So uh, it's it's uh, I don't know any uh, YouTube attorneys that make their money only by practicing on the interwebs and not not actually practicing law. Great question from uh, Pete over at Gun Websites. You learn how to shoot at distance to help master a closer shot. Are there other skills that can be learned to help master our shooting skills? Well, you can learn how to master that closer shot using distance if you're applying all of the fundamentals. Rob kind of touched on this too the whole time. For, for me, and I think Sean would agree, the fundamental that we see often people struggle with the most is the trigger press. So if you want to master your skills and you want to improve your shooting, focus on a smooth and controlled trigger press. A lot of people are doing something called flinching or anticipating the shot. So you'll see a lot of those low and left, or you'll see some of those shots that aren't quite going where you wanted them to go. And I think that really is probably the most important discipline when it comes to the fundamentals of shooting is at any distance is making sure that you have that smooth controlled press all the way to the rear without adding additional movement to the gun. It's not easy to do. There's a lot of really great drills for that. Sean likes to use ball and dummy or snap caps, dummy rounds, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, the dime drill. So whether you've got some ability to go to the range and do live fire or whether you're at home, you've got two different ways to try. So the ball and dummy drill would be load a magazine with some dummy rounds or some snap caps and some live rounds and hand it over to the person who's shooting and allow that person to go through all of the fundamentals and apply the skills at whatever distance doesn't really matter at this point to work on that smooth trigger press. What often happens when you get to that dummy round is this kind of motion where someone is trying to force that gun to work and you'll see very clearly that that is not a smooth trigger press when only that trigger finger is producing movement. And that's the ultimate goal. To replicate something like that at home, you can take your regular everyday firearm and make sure it's completely clear of ammunition. Make sure there's no ammunition in the room with you so you can do some dry fire practice. And you can take like a lot of different things and empty case from a spent round. You can take a dime. That's why it's called the dime drill. Uh, maybe even a, ta- a small figurine that belongs to your children. I don't know. Set it on the front sight of your firearm if you're able to do so. And of course, you're going to line up that shot on doesn't even matter what target. It can be a completely blank wall and just manipulate that trigger, press that trigger. The goal is to be able to manipulate the trigger, press it all the way to the rear and get that click sound without that little object falling off. So, of course, you'd have to reset your handgun to be able to do that repeatedly. But it's a really great drill for practicing that trigger press. George Harris, my mentor, also teaches the wall drill in which you don't even need anything but your dry fire handgun. Get really close to the wall really within, I don't know, three to four inches away with the muzzle. Closer than that. There's no target. There's no target area. You're not looking at anything and you're just practicing that trigger press. And it gives you a really great visual 
of what is happening. If the gun is moving, you'll see it. So sure. trigger press to me is number one. There Drop you go. And speaking of figurines that you can put to, to sit on top of that, that slide there, uh, there is no shame in being a grown man and having, you know, a bucket full of plastic army men, Travis. It's okay. So, yeah, I was trying to look around to see if there's anything here, but everything I, I can see the big. plastic army men bucket back there, the ammo can back there that's full of yeah. them. So, there's some stuff around, I'm sure. Yeah. So, Something as instructors, what are you guys' thoughts of like shooting aids? Like, such like I have the Mantis Laser Academy system, not the live fire, but the Laser Academy, where it analyzes your trigger pull, that kind of stuff. I find that to be really helpful, but it's it's a little pricey. Mm -hmm. Those Those are good systems to go along and teach you how to go along and have that real nice, uh, good uh, trigger press and allows you to do that in, at home at, you know, varying distances and such, which is really, you know, kind of what we've been talking about tonight is be able to go along and challenge yourself. I like the, um, the Manus X uh, training lab there because it gives you all the possibilities to do that you can set up throughout your house and work on that trigger press, work, work on being able to go along and slice a pie as you're coming around a corner, be able to go along and, and uh, imagine a certain situations. How how would you go along? Not only shoot somebody if they were in your bedroom, but also what would what could you do shooting down the length of your hallway? Yeah. And that, those were those tools uh, really really shine because you're never going to go along and have live fire in your house, but it allows you to go along and see what it would actually take for you to be able to hit a target that is right. 30, 40 feet away from you inside your house. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm a bit, I'm a big proponent of those. So I would question, say to um, go ahead, John. The question was mastering long distance shots. That is a different skill set that needs to be trained in addition to teaching or training using a rapid um, trigger press at closer distances, just using your body's kinesthetic alignment to uh, just basically aim the gun at the target without using the sights at all. So you're, you're, you know, people call it commonly point shooting. Um, because that's what's most plausible out there is just sticking the gun out towards the target and pressing the trigger. And that is another skill set that should be mastered, essentially point shooting, in addition to shooting longer shots, because that's what's more, you know, most likely to happen during a self-defense incident is that up close and you want to be able to put accurate rounds on a target really, really quickly. So that needs to be trained in addition to those long distance shots for sure. Yeah. And, and I think they're two different animals coming from a hunting background. You know, I mean, I, I shoot a scoped rifle when I'm deer hunting and the mechanics of, of that are, everything's different. I am typically rested somewhere either, either, you know, I might actually have a, uh, some sort of tripod or something to, to steady the gun, or I'm out on a fence post or a tree branch or, or a hay bale, but there's some, I typically don't shoot offhand at a deer, I have to keep in mind my breathing and, and trigger press is, is that's one of the few things that stays universal, you know, a smooth trigger press straight back. But at the same time, yeah, the putting lots of hits very quickly on a close target is a whole different animal than putting uh, one or two accurate hits on a far target when you've got, especially when you've got all the time in the world to mm -hmm. aim <laughs> and, and again, you know, in a hunting scenario, you know, if, if you miss, then you don't, uh, you don't bag your, your trophy animal or, or game animal meat, whatever it is. 
Whereas in a self-defense scenario, if you miss, then you, uh, you know, you, you may pay a lot higher price for that. So on that question, yeah. Now back to Shane's question, defense dad's question about, um, you know, the, the, the training aids as far as the laser academies and, and things like that. I would just say too, that it's one thing to have something like that, that, you know, if it tells you what you're doing wrong, that's great. You know, uh, I put the mantis on my gun and I found out that, you know, Hey, my, my muzzle, my front sights making little curly cues, um, as I'm trying to aim this thing or, or during my trigger press, you know, my, my, uh, muzzle doesn't stay in one spot. Okay. That's good information. What do I do with that information? I, I know, know I what I'm doing wrong, wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. So they're great up to a point, but again, um, there is something that, that, you know, if, if I know what I'm doing wrong and I've done this before with, with an instructor where, uh, I even said, look, I brought this gun because the other one, I know I can hit all day long. That's, it's not a challenge for me to, to do, you know, maybe not uh minute of angle, but I can do minute of bad guy accuracy all day long with one of these guns. I brought the other one because I'm Mr. Low and left. And I want you to help me fix that. And so this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to shoot this gun because if I can't do it with this gun, I don't deserve to, to pass this class anyway. And mm -hmm. so that's what happened. And yeah, she helped me out. We got, we got it straightened out with some grip stuff and, and some better technique. And now I have, you know, better stuff to teach people too. And so it, it's, it's helped as long as I don't, that's the hardest thing is I learned a new habit. I need to not revert back into the old bad habit. I need to reinforce the good habit um, with practice. It's the only thing that does that. Um, so, go ahead. So, something, something I was going to bring up. One of the good things about training is it allows us to put our equipment to the test you know, we were talking about old, old pistols and revolvers where we could, as trainers, we can have conversations, but also goes to how, what, uh, holster are we going to wear? Or is it going to be that old floppy leather holster? Is it going to be some nylon floppy holster, or is it going to be, you know, something that's going to be more secure that's going to be on the inside of the waistband and all these things could impact how we draw, how we do things. And even if we've got the best trigger press in the world, if we don't have a good draw yeah. and we can't you know get good kinesthetic alignment putting the whole package together that's that's where you know, keep in mind that manis can go along and help us on the shooting we can go along do a lot of things but until you're under a um a instructor's eye that can go along and say do you realize that hey you're putting the muzzle up in the air and fishing it down onto the target as you're as you're drawing and they're like oh i never realized that well that can shave time off off on your alignment to be able to press the press the trigger and be able to make you more competent in how you do it and those are all things that you just don't get from watching a youtube video or or doing uh at home training but get in front of a uh, real instructor and and have them take a look and see how you're doing yeah i know what i'm doing wrong just i don't know how to fix it i don't know what i need to do right so mm -hmm. Yeah, those aids are great, but they don't always come with a solution. They, they're they're awesome to diagnose a problem. But, I mean, I don't have to be a doctor to diagnose a compound fracture of the leg. Look, the bone's sticking out. I know what's <laughs> fix wrong. Fix my I'm leg. not qualified to fix it. I'll splint <laughs> it and wrap it, and we're going to the hospital. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of my favorite activities 
whenever Beth and I are having a defensive shooting fundamentals class is the student that comes walking up with his SIG X5 Legion and his, you know, super USPSA magnetic holster with his magnetic mag pouches. And I say, wow, is that what you carry? No, this is my fun gun. What do you carry? <laughs> well, I carry a Hellcat. You got it with you? Yeah, but it's no fun to shoot. Too bad. <laughs> but you're shooting today. <laughs> Go get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two different skills there. Two different skills, you know just what? like the hunting and pistol. Yeah, that's right. If they shoot their whoa, avalanche or earthquake. Sorry, honey. It's okay. I get a little bit excited with my legs and I start to kick things. You know what I mean? It's okay. <laughs> um, you, you have permission to be passionate here. Oh, well, okay. thank you, sir. You're in a safe place, Sean. When you get reps with the gun that's really hard to shoot when you go back to your sig x5 legion it's funny <laughs> you're going to be really good with it because you're yeah. used to shooting a gun that's very difficult to shoot so for sure just like you said john bring that gun that's harder to shoot and get reps with that because the easy fun guns will be more easier and more funner as we yeah. say in alabama yeah many much more gooder exactly yeah that's it more, i have more a question My wife you guys. Just cringed. more better much more better so what do you guys do when you have someone who shows up to class and they, let's just be nice, they're a mediocre shooter at best, but they're convinced they have to try the newest tactical hold, like the warrior poet John Lowell style, and they can't even keep it in the black on a, on a bullseye target. Sometimes just let them get frustrated with it. Let them, you know, okay. Try your way. See what happens. Um, we, we we tend to be kind of forgiving like that with a lot of our methods, but we also encourage highly, try it this way. You don't have to love it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect at it. But here's the reason why. And oftentimes if you feed them the, the science behind it or the mm -hmm. research behind it and they're buying in, okay, that makes sense. Sometimes it's easier to change minds or or have people at least at least give it a try, you know. Well, Especially with the defensive shooting fundamentals, there are some things that are a little bit different from what people have learned. Maybe mm -hmm. with the uh, competition shooters or the marksman stuff, marksmanship stuff. So, but yeah, sometimes it's go ahead, try and fail. This is a good place to fail because this is a learning opportunity. It's a controlled environment for the most part. You know, it's. It's not going to be like real life. Sure. And, so. and it's one of those instances where, you know, without being a jerk about it, you know, sometimes you have to pull rank and say, yeah. listen, you came to me, you signed up for my class. I'm the teacher. You're the student. We're going to do this this way in this class. And yeah, wow. here's why. There's yeah. a reason why I show you everything I show you. Yeah. And I'm not telling you this is the only way to do this, but this is the way that we're going to learn it in this class. And I want you to do it this way for this class. And then if it doesn't work for you, scrap it. If it does, you're welcome. Of course, if it ever ends up being unsafe, that's a no. Sure. Uh, for instance, we've had a couple of occasions with um, men, women, doesn't matter. They want to do kind of small, the back type of carry and kidney carry or some weird wrap around somewhere behind them. And we might give it a chance, but the moment that that's just a safety issue, that's, yeah. that's a no, that has to stop. And again, that's why it's, it's great to have some extra gear. So not just a gun or two, but 
sometimes a belt, a holster, and you know, mm -hmm. maybe even a mag pouch. <laughs> well, and, and again, for anybody who's not sure exactly what Beth's talking about there, if if that's your way to carry, if you carry in the, the six o'clock spot uh or you know close to it, then uh if you're wondering where that muzzle goes when you draw just set your phone down someplace like on on a countertop or whatever and step out about six feet and just film yourself from behind drawing that gun and watch where the muzzle goes yeah. during your draw yeah or what are you flagging when you pull that out especially if you're right-handed are you carrying in a right-handed holster or a left-handed holster back there you know palm in or palm out these are all mm -hmm. things that affect how you muzzle or don't muzzle as you as you draw and uh, I tell you what, if uh, I, I can't carry back there because I can't reach around all the way back to the, <laughs> to the six o'clock spot on my body. Uh, so it, it doesn't work for me anyway. But And, you know, um, we're not saying, hey, there's something wrong with it. If you're doing that, there's something wrong with you. I mean, that's, no, that's not there, the point at all. There's a right way to do everything. Well, and there's a more efficient way. And that's mm -hmm. what we really try to drive home. You know, you might have to carry that position because of X, Y, Z. I don't know. I mean, I carried that position when I had a baby on my hip. She, you know, would kick and move and you get tired from one side to the next. Where else are you going to put a firearm, you know, to be able to actually get to it at some point in time? I get it. I get it. There are just some sure. situations that call for unique or different holster positions. Fine. But if that's going to be your everyday carry, that's literally your go-to and you're not practicing with that and you don't know what that feels like to to get access to that firearm through a concealment cover, something else, whatever garment you might have on, and you can't safely get to that firearm quickly and efficiently get to that firearm. It's time yeah. to re it's time to rethink it. Probably you know? not <laughs> recommended gear for a class setting. No. And this mm -hmm. is a great no. opportunity to call your instructor and ask them, hey, yeah. can I bring this spandex <laughs> belly band to class? How and, about my flash flashbang? <laughs> yeah. Um, and for, you know, Beth, my, my recommendation. I love my flashbangs. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> when she was uh, trying to carry with a baby on her hip is just slam a next belt on that baby and have it open carry. But she wasn't no. really into that. So no. that wasn't a good option, I guess. Gun on the baby just didn't work very well. So, yeah. That's but, because the baby's not over 21. Right. Not, not yet. I yeah. mean, it's, you yeah. know, so right. ask your instructor that, spandex held together flip-flop small of the back back of the thigh holster is not going to be great as you muzzle everything everywhere 360 degrees coming out of that holster onto the target so that would be a question for the instructor and i would be willing to bet 99.999 percent of instructors if you brought that up beforehand they would say oh it's no problem i got gear i'll bring it for you yeah. and you can use my stuff yeah I, i've I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, hey, will this work there? Now, let me say this, too. Again, um, things instructors want you to know, and we may not always we have to find a diplomatic way to say this, too. When you look through that list and it says this is what's required, you know, uh, a cover garment that opens in the front uh, outside the waistband, <coughs> holster, a sturdy belt. OK, if you're telling me, well, I've only got, you know, a, a, will it work? I've got this holster. Do I need to come up with an outside the waistband holster? Because what I've got is the the uh, um, the shoot. What's the one that tucks all the way down inside your pants? Sneaky, Sneaky Pete. holster. Urban oh. carry. Urban yeah. carry holster. Ur yeah. Footsteps of a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah. That one. <laughs> um, 
you know, all I've got is my urban carry holster. Do I have to come up with an outside the waistband? Do you want to take my class? Yes. Yes, you do. This is what's required for this class. Again, if you want to do some private lessons with your stuff, we can do it. But there's a reason why I require what I require in my concealed carry class, because you're going to be out there on the line with four other people at a time. And I need everybody to do the same thing the same way at the same time so that I can make sure that everybody's being safe and I don't have to watch every single movement on every person. I can watch the wide view instead of having to have one RSO per student. And so, so yeah, that's what's required in a, in a given class. Now, again, if you have questions, please ask the people that have asked, I'm glad they did. Um, but that's just something that, that you need to know. That, and if, if your instructor says this is what's required, don't argue with them. Just, just go with what's required or say, look, I don't, I don't have this and I can't get it by then. You know, it's, it's three days away or, or I can't afford it or whatever. Yeah. Reach out. Cause we're going to figure something out for you because we don't want anybody left behind. And we don't want you, especially if you've already paid for the class, we don't want you to not show up and we don't want you to, to feel like you, um, are getting, you know, marginalized or anything like that, you know, we'll do what we can. But at the same time, you know, again, when the instructor says you need to supply this part of, of this stuff for the class, they expect you to supply that part. You can't trust the instructor to have enough of everything to go around for everybody. That's, that's why they tell you to have this stuff lined up ahead of time. So, um, Here's another one. Let's let's going back to stuff that instructors want you to know, unless it specifically says otherwise in the class description. Don't bring your gun into the classroom. I mean, if if it's a, if if it's a class where you need to run your stuff, and it's about you know whatever. But I mean, again, you know, I don't have a gun store, but I tell my students all the time about you know most gun stores have a bullet jar. You guys know what that is, right? It's a jar full of bullets. I swear that that came out of cleared firearms you know this thing's unloaded they open it up and and open the action and out pops a live round and it goes in the jar i swear jar i swear jar i swear it's empty yep you know i didn't i didn't think it and that's the thing i tell my students you know the most dangerous kind of gun out there is the unloaded one yeah because more people are accidentally shot by unloaded guns than loaded ones not negligence Mm -hmm. but accidentally shot or what i guess negligently shot but yeah, more more negligence happens with the unloaded guns than it does with the with the loaded ones. So, anyway, um, that's a thing that that instructors maybe don't specify because we we thought you knew or we hoped you knew, but leave your gun in the car unless it's you're specifically told to bring it inside the classroom, um, and then wait for instructions at the range. You know, don't uh, don't get ahead of the instructor. Yeah, if if, if they haven't told you to do something, don't do it. Mm-hmm. So G23, he mean when I pay for the class, you don't provide my ammo. Well, it depends on whether I told you I do or not. But uh, if I do, the prices are about to go up, I tell you. Yep. <laughs> Was this a couple of years ago or are we talking now? Because yeah. uh, I used to be like, you know. I would I would give uh, ammo out to students like it was confetti, you know, at Mardi Gras or whatever, because you know I reload and so I can make it. Well, used used to could for four fifty a box, so I'd yeah. be like, "Oh, you're out here. Here's some more, and for you." And now yeah. it's like, 
What ammo? That'll cost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell you what, uh, I'll provide the ammo. We're switching over to a 22 right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, now, here's the cool part, though. If, uh, and, and I'll tell my students this, if we're talking about learning the fundamentals, marksmanship, breathing, trigger press, there's nothing that you you can't learn on that 22 that won't then move up to the center fire cartridges. And uh, sometimes when I've got somebody who has a distinctive flinch <laughs> or is, is having a hard time controlling their Hellcat or something like that, just a, just a few rounds through a Glock 44 and then going back to that nine millimeter or a few rounds through, you know, if, if one student had a Hellcat and she was, she was doing well ish with it, but she had a distinctive muzzle dip. Mm-hmm. And or I could see her uh, getting I could see her tensing up as as she was pressing the trigger. And so I said, hold on, let's switch over. And we, we pulled out the Glock 19, still a nine millimeter, a little bigger gun. She got used to shooting that. She went through about a magazine or, or so. And then she's like, OK, I want to go back to mine. And she did. And the muzzle dip was gone. And she was a rock star for, you know, the next 30 rounds or whatever we ended up shooting. And, uh, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. Right. But I tell you what, I'm going to say that right now that, uh, Beth, I heard what you said, but if you want to save some money and shoot a 22 right now, the way ammo is in my class, I'm not going to shame you for it. Just here's the thing when it comes to 22, it's filthy. And depending on your gun, it may not be the most reliable. So make sure that you've got one that you can consistently count on it to go bang every time. the Glock 44 Taurus TX 22 is really great. I haven't shot the new SIG, um, but I've heard that those are pretty darn reliable with a, you know, a, a gamut of ammo, but 22 is mm-hmm. filthy. It's going to foul up your gun sooner. It's going to, you know, 22 tends to have more misfires. Um, just know the limitations of, of the ammo and the gun too. So, yeah. Hey John, one of the things I would add to it, we're talking about different skill levels of classes here. Yeah. A twenty two is great for those beginning classes, but if you really are taking an advanced class, oh yeah. You may you may want to go along and talk to the instructor, make sure that it's all right that you bring a twenty two because a lot of times, like we've been talking about with the advanced classes, if you're shoot if you're trying to make those 30, 40 yard shots, it's gonna be different mm-hmm. with a twenty two than you are with a nine or a forty. And at oh, the yeah. same time, uh, you wanna have the reps in going along and using your gear in what you're carrying every day so that you are competent to be able to do that. You just can't switch from, okay, I go for my Glock 44 and I'm going to carry my Glock 19 and say, I'm going to be just as good between there. Um, and that's oh, where yeah. having the conversation again before the class uh, can be very helpful because, Hey, I'm all for saving money, but at the same time, um, if we're not doing 22 kind of things for it and we really, really need you to have your full size everyday carry, then, uh, you know, you'll, t- you got to do a little bigger, bigger investment in your ammo. Yep. Very good point. Very good point. Yep. Um, all right. So we're going to start wrapping things up. Um, Travis or defense dad now is the time and and defense dad, I think you've been keeping track of comments a little better than I have. So if there's anything out there that we need to address, I know Pat had a comment early on that I didn't put up on screen, but where'd that go to? Let me scroll back up here. It's going to get there. Um, Here's one real quick. Um, I do want to get to this one. Has someone come to a class so ill-prepared you had to just send them away? Has that ever happened to you guys? I got I got stuff for you. 
we'll have something for you. Yeah, we'll bring bring extra holsters, guns, even ammo. Now they may have to donate to my ammo fund, but um, sure. you know, have something that if they're willing to invest the time, I will make it a successful day for them. Just show up and have a good attitude. That's it. That's all you need. With that, I will say that there was one issue I had a person come to a class and this person was I guess recently in some kind of a car accident and was on some medication and Ooh. this person was not allowed to shoot in my class once <laughs> I discovered what was going on. So that's just a side note. Talk about being ill prepared. That might have been a little ill prepared just due to the fact sure. that mentally and we weren't a hundred percent. When it when it comes time for one-on-one stuff at the range, let me say this one too, because I've had people bring their significant other or whatnot. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna bring a friend or bring a spouse or whatever as an observer, that person needs to remember that they're an observer. And they should be seen and not heard. And if they if if they want to instruct, they're sure welcome to do it. But I'm the one getting paid to do it there. So if, if you want to take over, it's easy money for me. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. But then I'm gonna yeah. I'm out. Then you you should just take over and finish it then, or just uh, zip your lips and observe. But the thing is, I've I've not had bad experiences with that. I've had it happen a couple times. One guy came once just to see if she was any good, and then uh, he ended up taking some instruction from me too, paying for <laughs> for some instructions. So she made him a believer. So I'll take it. Um, Neil Widener wants to know the process for removing a student from class. Neil, can you expound on that just a tad? And let, for for what reason? Um, we've already established we're not going to turn somebody away. So um, why would that happen then? So, Neil, what do you mean in there? Give us another comment. We'll we'll come back to that one. Um, uh, I had a question in the private chat, uh, but I was asking you guys. So, pertaining to children, if you're teaching class, like how old is how young is too young to start teaching a kid in class? Like, my daughter's 13. We belong to a range that does family fun shoots on Fridays, but you're required to draw from a holster. And I'm debating if she's old enough to start teaching to draw to draw from a holster or not. I think you're the only one that can answer that, though. Well, I, 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 some instructors are going to have their basic rules, or like we're not going to teach anybody beyond below a certain age. Right? I was just curious. If you if you look on the YouTube's, you'll see you know little USPSA uh, little little seven year olds running around with open sure. guns from a from a you know they had to put a ratchet strap tie it off because they're so little. Yeah. Um, whereas I've got a twenty year old who she would not be able to do that right now. So it depends on the child. My son would be perfectly capable of doing that. He's 12. Our eight-year-old Noel, she's not going to be on any YouTube USPSA videos nope. anytime soon because <laughs> not putting the gun in her hands yet either. Yeah, like Tasmanian devil, it, it just wouldn't, it, it would just, it would be insane. So it just depends on the child. Um, you know, your range might have specific rules and regulations uh, if we wanted to strap a holster to Noel and take her to our range, that would be fine. But as responsibly armed parents, I know that that our little one is she's not there yet. Mm -hmm. She's not there yet. So it just it just depends on the maturity level of that child individually um, and how much training and practice you're willing to dedicate. But I wouldn't say that, you know, at 10 years old, you're ready. I, I yeah, because, you know, YouTube's tells us otherwise. So right. 
Now, one of the stop. things that I, I would add to that is if I'm teaching somebody who's under 18, um, they're welcome in the class, but they've got to be there with a guardian parent oh, yeah. something along those yeah. lines yeah. to make sure because, for one, don't want to get in a situation to where I'm touching the kid and it's being misinterpreted, you know, because they are flagging the wrong person. I have to redirect their uh, muzzle, doing different things along those lines. And I, was, I go along and I say this even when I teach hunter education. It's great for the parents to know what the kids know. Yes. Because yep. when they go along and they say, hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you know, this is the way we were taught. Yep. They don't go, oh, I never do it like that. They can actually, oh, yeah, I remember your t- your instructor saying that. And I, I've just been t- uh, so used to doing the, doing it the wrong way. And here, I'll change something mm-hmm. something along those lines. So, you know, I welcome them, but have the uh, parents along at the same time, too, so they can be on the same page as their kids. Yeah, exactly right. Um, okay, G23 wanted to know, do you recommend students bring a backup firearm in case the primary firearm goes down? uh not for what i teach but again i don't teach the the level two and level three stuff where we're running and gunning either so in a case like that where you're looking at you know hundreds of rounds in a over the course of a couple days i would think that that'd be a great thing to to have a spare what do you guys do you guys do that deal with that see that i think i've not seen that personally but what i have seen is you know something gets loose or comes unattached with sights or yeah i mean we've had to take apart a couple guns we've had to make sure some sights were on properly we've had to maybe fix some fiber optics or batteries or things like that i think for me that seems to be a little bit more of what is possibly going to happen under those circumstances but still if we have extra guns hey we've got extra guns maybe they want extra guns just because they themselves want to try the the tactics with a different gun. I've had that happen too, where oh, yeah. someone's like, day one, I'm running this gun. Day two, I want to run this one. Okay. You know, but they have their reasons and that's okay. Yep. This is my winter gun. This is my summer gun. Okay. Go. Let's get, get, <laughs> let's get reps in both. And, you know, if you've got a backup gun and you want to bring it, that's totally fine. You know, I Beth and I, well, before we worked in the firearms industry, we shot a lot more. <laughs> yeah right (laughs) we're teachers now it's like what what yeah um i have a a trauma kit for our our match guns where i could basically rebuild the gun at the match in addition to the backup gun that i have with me in case my primary goes down at the match because we just drove six hours and paid you know seven hundred dollars to be here that's why we often run the same guns and matches yeah. too. I mean, we both will run our XDS or our M&P or whatever because, hey, backup, cool. I'll just use his. I've got the holster. I've got the magazines. I've got everything. Right. So if you if you got it, that's cool. If if not, then um, the instructor will probably have something in case yours. And I, I did have a lady who she shot her her gun from 1904. It was a I don't know a prototype, and it exploded into springs, springs and pins. It was it was absolutely insane. Like in one shot, it just it like completely. It was like a joke. It was like a joke gun. So never know. You never know. And um, we had a we had a replacement for her. So yeah, if you got it, bring it. If not, your instructor probably does. I think Travis had an experience with that once, didn't you? With was it your Jimenez that that did that? Your... No, never, not at all. No, my J nine was fine. And my no, it's Defense Dad's G three C that that broke the first time I I took a picked it up to take a shot with it. I, but I bought it off him to make him feel better. So you know, well, I got to be fair. You so, no no no. Yeah. 
you bought the one that Taurus sent me to replace it. But to be fair, you got two yeah. shots off before it broke. Was that? Was okay, that? I, didn't even, I don't even remember shooting it before the magazine fell out. I, I thought that it just happened as soon as I grabbed it and got on the firing line. So I thought that did was I get two shots where, off? Where the okay. slide actually went farther than the than the bullet did at one point. So well, in a self defense situation, that two shots is fine because the average is what one point three or something. Inside of it, fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> two <laughs> two shots plus the Once slide. Bang, we're good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and no. Taurus, did, in his defense, Taurus did say the gun was def defective. They sent me a mm -hmm. whole new gun. But the first time Two I shots haven't called to the body, so. one slide yeah. to the head. Is yeah, that so what you're saying? That's the Mozambique. New failure to stop. It's, it's, I like it's it. The, it's, the, it's the Mozambique slide drill. Mm -hmm. so. right. Right. Now, when your bayonet fell off your Jimenez and almost hit me <laughs> if you shot it, that was... The guns stay together, though, so that's all that matters. Yeah, but I so, think that higher quality zip ties would have held that on better. No, it was just more JB Weld. More JB Weld would have worked. So, yeah. So, so, as Sean and Rob, we had a zombie gun challenge and we had to build a zombie gun for under $200. So I took my Jimenez JA-22 and I JB welded a red dot on the top of it. That's a little tiny pocket pistol. And I, I JB welded a, a knife blade on it so it looked like a bayonet. And if you just type in Travis P11 zombie gun, you can watch the video on it. And I took oh, my first shot at the range from behind the blinder and it everything flew off the back of the gun as it recoiled like literally the knife blade went backwards and the red dot went backwards oh, and we did no, this the knife blade went at so. me i was filming <laughs> i think it hit his car so um yeah so if anybody shows up a class with a tactical zombie gun build with all that mall ninja stuff on there you probably want to you probably want to call him out on it. So that would be an ill-prepared yeah there you go, yeah. There you mm -hmm. go. the gun fired fine after it, that though no, it was great the flashlight Flashlight stayed on it, and it stayed on the whole time. I Velcro oh. flashlight on the slide, so it's pretty sweet. So yeah, it's a wicked gun. What you got there? A homemade blunderbuss. I yeah. built it. Oh, pretty much, pretty much. Yep. What's it loaded up with? Brass buttons and pins and needles and rocks. Go. CCI mini mags. Gravel from the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. America. Some peanut butter. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's the wad. It's peanut butter. Nice, nice. Budget oh, cut. This, this. Shows peanut butter and M&M's. Yep. Mm. Okay. On a serious note, Neil did uh, did clarify out there on uh, on the Facebook side for safety violations. We see them from time to time. He had to remove somebody last week. Uh, wondering how you guys go about it. I haven't had to do that yet, but again, I'm I'm just getting into my journey, and I've spent most of my time on the range has been one on one or one on two, and we haven't had to. Like I said, I, I haven't had to spend a lot of time with multiples and i can't have more than five on the line even doing concealed carry here john i want to do a screen share real quick so when this shows up at your at your concealed carry class you might want to ask them just to maybe bring something different in yeah if you guys can see that or not so that's that's the uh, the zombie gun right there so oh, wow <laughs> it was awesome it was the flashlights yes. on the other side i think i can't remember so yeah because i could thumb actuate the flashlight if i if i wanted to so Wow. Yep. yep. Yeah, we're gonna put that uh, file that under things that we don't actually recommend. Hey, it ran. That's all that matters, man. It ran. So sure, defense had almost gotten paled, and I nearly was blinded, but it ran. So, well, yeah. I mean, all is well. It ends well. <laughs> um, Anywho. All right. Well, well there, Neil's question. I think um, first of all, when you have an issue, uh, make sure you pull the person aside and explain what the safety violation is. Um, to make sure that they completely understand what's going on. Because again, if they go through somebody else's class um, and you weren't clear on your range briefing, maybe there's some miscommunications there. Um, around where I am, we've got 
lot of people that English is their second language. And you've got to kind of understand uh, those kind of issues with it. But I would say if they continue doing it and they don't, it's not making sense to them, you've got to look at the safety of yourself, your students, and, and that student also to go along and either have them sit back and watch for a while or you know potentially leave the class too i mean it's it's that the bottom line nobody wins if somebody gets hurt but we want people to go along learn how to do things safely and responsibly and that's that's what instructors are all about tactfully maybe you know well forcefully if necessary but gently because it's it's probably just inexperience and they're not doing it on purpose and they're there to learn which is why they came to you as an instructor yeah. so i don't i don't give up on people you know, a forceful thing. And I, I've had to physically intervene and, and, you know, do some Judy chops on people because I, I didn't know what the heck was going on. So, but, you know, in a tactful way, gentle way, but then educate them, use it as a teachable moment. Like, like yeah. Rob said, if they got to sit and watch, you know, if they're in the timeout chair, uh, if they need to come back, get more reps, that's fine. But, you know, I don't, I don't give up on people. I I'm real, you know, sure. some and people would, you know, one, one violation, you're out, you're done. They need help. They need yeah, help. And it all comes back to attitude though. Like you said, oh, if, yeah. it's, if it's not intentional, then yeah, it's a totally, it's a teachable moment. If, if it is though, if you think that somebody's just trying to showboat or be a jerk or whatever, and they're, they're intentionally, you know, disrespecting you and, and not listening to what you're telling them, then that's a whole different scenario sure. in that case that person everybody's going to come away worse for the wear for having that person in the class they need to they need to walk away yep that's a judy job judy yeah. job and here, here's a situation for people to realize too that happens uh in kentucky they will send kentucky state troopers to your classes to make sure you're teaching them right yeah and they will do things like yeah. that to make sure you're running them safely making sure that you're giving the right test doing all those types of things so just because um somebody's doing that um you don't just throw them out right away you may have you may have to you know have a long conversation with them and then by the end of the class you realize they're just yanking your chain but in how they're doing that but you know there's there's things that happen and you've got to be very uh, cognizant of those as the instructor to keep everything safe sure yeah i mean it's the same way here you know what's fun is if if i would ever get get uh, uh found out that i'm doing something wrong you know against the state guidelines and and i'm i'm not uh you know, not, not re I'm passing people who didn't take the test or didn't, didn't actually pass the test or whatever. And I'm fudging the numbers or I'm fudging the numbers on the, the live fire qual or something like that. Not only do they void out the permit for that person or that class, but everybody I've ever taught who's ever gotten their concealed handgun permit because of one of my classes now has had their permits pulled and then I have to explain to all of them that I can't afford to give them back their money for the class that, you know, they took five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. Uh, but that's what would happen in Nebraska is if I, if they find out that, that uh, I did, you know, one person wrong there, they have to assume that every one of them is wrong, therefore invalid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how every state is, but, but again, you know, depending on the class, if, if this is a, you know, women's handgun and self-defense fundamentals class, I've got a little more leeway, you know, if I, if I gloss over one of the Beth's slides or I don't do the, the drills exactly the way that they're, they're spelled out. I don't think Beth is going to come along and, and revoke my, my USCCA credentials. However, when it's the concealed handgun permit class, 
then it's not USCCA that I worry about answering to. It's the state of Nebraska. And I have exactly. to do things a certain way. We have to do the the right number of reps um, mm -hmm. on the firing line. You know, it's it's six rounds at three yards. It's 12 rounds at, at five yards. Excuse me, six rounds at one, 12 rounds at three, then six at five and six at seven. But so many of those have to be from, you know, drawing from concealment. Some can be from a high ready. I have to know what I have to do it right. <clears throat> and if I don't, again, I've just voided everybody's permit. Mm. so so yeah you've got a your instructor there's a reason why they insist on the things which they insist on um you know and sometimes it's personal preference and sometimes it's because they have guidelines they have to follow but again if you have questions ask them because if if there's some things that can be fudged they'll tell you what can be fudged on you mm. know i don't i don't require a specific holster i just say outside the waistband you know i mean as long as it's going to stay put when you draw and you only get the gun and not the holster, that's what really matters. We all know what we prefer in a concealed carry, uh, you know, a good everyday carry holster. And we'll talk about that in class, but I'm not going to send you away because all you have is the uncle Mike's from Walmart. It's what you can afford right now. We'll make it work. It's not ideal. By the time we're done, you're going to understand why it's not ideal and we'll go on from there, you know? And if it absolutely we can't make it work, yeah, we'll we'll improvise. We'll use one of mine or something. But but yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm I'm kind of the same way there. And John, one comment on you know you were talking about the drills you have to do for, to be compliant with Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Just everybody should realize that's listening to this is just because your state requires you to go through certain education, do certain range exercises. That that's only the first step in your journey when yeah. it comes along and yeah. get training to go along and do things because well what we talked about moving and shooting and shooting at distance, everything we've talked about tonight, mm -hmm. you know, that no state's gonna require you to do that. But at the same time, what you know, you take, you know, Eli Dickens, he had to do that. And mm -hmm. that's where you don't learn that just by taking a CCW class. You learn that by going along, taking additional training, going along, doing additional shooting and testing yourself, testing your gear and knowing your limitations. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing though. You know, the state of Texas doesn't require shots at uh, 45 feet, but if Jack Wilson hadn't practiced regularly at 45 feet, then more people yeah. would have been killed that day in that church. Exactly. Yeah, the exact same thing. I mean, I've, I've seen interviews with him where he said that's a distance where he practices regularly and he had everybody on that church security team practicing at that distance to be proficient. So that's a shot that anybody mm. beside, you know, anybody on that team could have made, not just him. It happened to be him. But, but I mean, again, that's not a shot that you make because all he had was a headshot. Mm. You know, people were running up the aisle towards Jack away from that shooter. He couldn't shoot center mass because he was yeah. in danger of hitting one of the, one of the uh, congregation members. So, 45 feet headshot, that's all Jack had to go with. But because he practiced, he was able to make that shot. And again, I'm hoping divine intervention come into play in a church shooting of all places, but that's just something that he practiced. He knew he could do it. He knew he had to do it. And and he, he got the job done that he needed to do. But it, it wasn't a fluke deal. It wasn't a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Jack could pull a, his, his carry gun out at any day, any time, and make that shot because... He knows how he knows he can do it because he's practiced it. So if there's anything, if, if, and you guys can back me up, but, but I'm going to speak, I think for all of us here, 
if there's one thing that we're going to recommend that you do, no matter what, whether you pay for training or do it yourself or don't do any training, get your gun. Like Beth said, clear it in one room, go to a different room and dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, practice that, that trigger press practice, making sure that the gun doesn't move and that uh, everything is, is staying in one place and your fingers, the only thing that moves up until the, you know, the gun goes click, it goes off. But if there's one thing you're going to take away, whether you need practice, you know, need, need, how do I say it, paid training or, or free training or whatever it is, dry fire, because every instructor, every uh, tier one operator type person, um, every competitive shooter I've ever spoken with, that's the one thing that is universal to everybody is dry fire and nobody can can overstate the importance of dry fire and it's the one thing that you know it's so easy to do and so many of us just don't take the time to do it because we've got lives and things happening and and kids and jobs and pets and spouses and animals and whatever else you know but if you want to get better you'll find time i mean you'll make a priority for what's important to you in life and if if getting better and and having that smooth trigger press is important, you'll dry fire. And if it's not, then you'll see it when you go to the range and your groups aren't very good. So, and if you guys have anything else you want to add, that if you could say one thing to anybody else, you know, anybody out there, I mean, I'll sure let you do it here as we go through. But real quick, um, before I wrap this up, I wanted to get Travis and Defense Dad a chance. If you guys had any other questions that you wanted to ask instructors, uh, now would be the time. No, I've covered the questions I had coming into the meeting this evening to the okay. panel this evening. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm all set. Yeah, yep. same here. I think I've asked enough questions. I think that, that yeah. Okay. Well, then that's how we're going to wrap things up. So we'll go back through here and uh, uh, Beth and Sean will let you start off here. So if there's anything else besides dry fire, you know, if you got, if you could tell, tell everybody out there listening, one thing coming from an instructor's point of view what would that be? And then also, where can people find what you guys are doing and, and where can they track you down on the interwebs or in person? Strategery. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Lockbox. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. So get some training. Go find a class. Okay. Just find a class. It doesn't have, it could be just find a class. Uh, the uh, shameless plug for the USCCA. If you go to uscca.com, you can search for classes with your zip code and find those. Um, another shameless plug Barrel Block is an incredible, really cheap tool training aid that will help so much. And I think they're like 15 bucks. So check out Barrel Block. Um, it's on I, our website too, USCCA store. Don't it is. that was a shameless plug, Beth. Come on, <laughs> let's be professional here. So go go take a class and learn what your limitations are, and um, you know get that knowledge and become more responsibly armed so that you can protect yourself and your loved ones. It it's it's not a huge investment in time or or money, and you should totally do that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that too, I think for those who do decide to choose the concealed carry lifestyle or firearms for home defense, I think the mental aspect of it is so, so important. And if you can't get out to those live fire classes and you, you can't fit them in your schedule for whatever reason, don't forget that the, the mental training and the mindset 
is as significant, if not more significant. So thinking about situational awareness and conflict avoidance and all the things that we've already touched on today about those legal aspects, those are things that you can read about and learn about sitting in your jammies at home, you know, with your favorite beverage or snack. So consider that as well. It's not just a physical training, it's a mental training and you, you just don't want to overlook how important and significant that is. Uh, Sean's already mentioned USCCA. You can definitely find a lot of my writing through the blog there on our website. If you're not a member, you don't get Concealed Carry Magazine. You're missing out on some really awesome information. And for me personally, you can find me on Instagram, Beth619, and also Facebook, Pacifiers and Peacemakers with Beth Alcazar, where I will post random thoughts, photos, classes, events, news, and other things that I'm doing in the two-way world with lots of all of these awesome folks that you see here and others. Very cool. Thank you both for taking time out of your night to, uh, to hang out and talk and to let us. Let the kids and... do whatever they wanted to upstairs. We'll That's see. Right. That's right. Hopefully that uh, the, the roof is not on fire. At <laughs> least when you get back up. Hey, Dad, we need a shoot house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the I haven't heard the dog in a while. They've eaten the dog. He's, you know, they've got his head on some kind of. Okay. Oh gosh, Lord of the Flies. Oh, yep. Oh dear. Oh dear. All <laughs> right. Well, using the blood of the dog. Stop. <laughs> All right, Rob. Um, if you could, uh, if you could tell the folks out there one thing, what would you want them to know? And then, where can people find you? Final thought for me: firearm skills are perishable skills, and people. Think okay, I've got my Glock, I got my uh, MMP, I got my Sig 320, whatever it is. If you go back in the history of firearms, ten years ago, we were working with you know just getting into striker fires, and we were doing the uh, single action, double action uh, revolvers or uh, semi-automatics. You go back to the 90s, we we're just switching over to the semi-automatics. You get back to the 70s and 80s, they were revolvers. And I bring that up to go along and underscore that just because you're competent and everything's good today, it's good to go along and get some training. I try to get training every year to expand my knowledge and to keep my uh, skills sharp because I realize that it's a perishable skill. And even though I'm sitting there telling people every year what to do, if something changes and I've got to know the latest and greatest when it comes to red dot or how to go along and shoot a micro compact, you know, different types of guns like that. I need to have those skills to be able to pass it on. And the same thing when it comes to uh, listeners out there, think about, you know, just don't say, Hey, I've taken that course. I'm good with it, but take it and say, wait a minute. I haven't shot that and haven't really been under the, uh, been tested recently. And maybe I need to take that course over again. So that's, that's my final thought. If they're interested in finding out what I'm doing, uh, I teach firearms in the Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, area, uh, Indiana, Kentucky around there. And you can find my schedule at americandefensetraining.us. And you can also listen to my podcast at firearmtrainingpodcast.com. So I do a lot of uh, instructor issues when it comes to the podcast. But I also go along and touch on a lot of universal um, issues. Uh, one of the ones that I touch on is mental health. And we didn't talk much about it here, but it's one of those to where whether we are the instructor and we see somebody who is, uh, you know, having some problems or whether we're just in and around our family and different things going along and heading off a, a tragedy to where somebody decides to take their life uh, with a firearm, different things like that. It's good for the entire community for it because, you, you know, you never want to know somebody who who does that. So do, do a lot of topics, mainly on on. Uh, 
instructors, but again, we do some that cross over and be very informative to uh, listeners also. Sure. And shameless plug for, uh, if I can get that to focus, Walk to Talk, Talk, to America. Talk America, our friends, Mike and Jake and Rob and everybody else over there that we know, um, very cool stuff that they're doing, trying to bridge the gap. And I've got Sweet. my certified educator now from Walk to Talk America today. Nice. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. They've got that new program where they're trying to, uh, trying to increase their, their network of people that, uh, that they can, that they can rely on in there. That's really cool too. So yeah, go to, to, uh, WTTA.org and check that out. If you want to know more about walk to talk America, and they've even got some free, uh, mental health screenings that you can take totally confidential. They don't go anywhere. They're just for your own knowledge. Um, but, uh, you can take that and see, well, yeah, it sounds like maybe I have anxiety or maybe I, maybe I am depressed or whatever. You can, you can find out a lot of that stuff just by going to that website and check it out. And remember the, the whole goal here is to destigmatize having some mental health struggles because just because you have struggles doesn't mean you're unfit to have your firearms as so many people are afraid to get help because they think that means that they're going to lose their guns. And so they risk their own well-being along with everybody else's to uh, to not jeopardize their rights under the Constitution. And it's just not simply the case. Um, you you might have physical ailments. You might be in a wheelchair. Uh, you might have, you know, a lot of things that, it, you know, you've lost a limb or whatever. That doesn't mean you can't shoot a gun. You just have to learn how to deal with with what you're dealing with. Same thing with mental health. It doesn't mean you can't have a gun. It just means that you need to learn how to deal with it properly so that you're you're in the best shape you can be for the shape you're in. And and that's all it is. So I love the fact that there are people out there trying to to help destigmatize um the two so that they're not separate camps because we need to talk more about this. We need to mainstream it. Not that it's okay to to not be okay. It is, it's okay to not be okay, but it's okay to to go get help and admit that you need it. So that's the hardest thing for and, you, and we've got to all admit to ourselves that during our lives, we've been under extreme stress. You know, when we mm -hmm. did those college, uh, college exams, we've had, you know, a lot of, uh, we've, we've gone into depression at some level when we've had big breakups or when a parent's passed away, we've also had financial problems with can uh, can spiral people out of control too. And those are the times where what Mike Sedoni's doing with walk talk America, it brings the resources to, so, you know, somebody you can talk to about that and get you over that hump because mm -hmm. tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow can be better than it is today, but you've got to have somebody sometimes that'll help you give that, give that little oomph to go along and uh, get you, get you out of that depression, get that out of that anxiety, whatever the situation is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Rob, thanks a whole bunch for joining us tonight. Glad that you uh, were here and hopefully you won't be a stranger. We'll get you back in here in uh, in weeks to come love hearing the stuff that you have to say i appreciate it all right travis any uh final thoughts from you and then where can people find what you're doing oh man it's just been great having a chance to ask these questions and just kind of take you know a, a light-hearted but serious look at you know things you want to say and but things you shouldn't say and it's been good to be able to ask those questions uh no just check me out on youtube travis p11 or do a google search on that and you can find me on facebook twitter instagram youtube Guy streamer, you huge tube, all those different places. So I'm all over the place. Lots of different content on the channel. And then I got two podcasts that we do on Thursday nights before your show at six o'clock central time and eight a.m. on Saturday morning. So we've been doing an eight a.m. podcast for about five years now and over two hundred episodes. It's a lot of fun. So yeah. And 
if you want to listen to and, and talk about uh, Second Amendment stuff and, and some other, uh, you know, general issues, you can come here and, and hang out. We love to have you here. If you really like talking about specific guns and specific ammo and things like that, uh, go check out Travis P11, because if, if you're a gun nut, then he's going to have some topics that you're just going to love and, and want to jump right into uh, all kinds of cool stuff there. So, Travis, thanks for oh, being yeah. here. Also, if you're if you're looking to figure out how to field strip and clean, I don't care what it is, handgun and even some long guns, go check out Travis's channel. You'll never find a better one for how to do that stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and I'm All not right. just saying that because you paid me to. No, no. It's, <laughs> I, I got 70 plus videos up there. I put a lot of time in my life into those videos and I'm yeah. proud of them. I mean, they're they're I'm glad I can help people with it. And they've, it's a lot of fun. Helped me and I steer people to cool. you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, not cool. a problem. All yeah. right. Defense Dad, you get to back clean up here. Closing thoughts and where can people find you? Oh, I think it was a good subject. It was a fun chat. Um, you know, it, it's worth it to, you don't have to break the bank and take out a second mortgage and take a whole bunch of classes, but take one every once in a while. You know, there, there's, there's, there's more to it than standing at seven yards and shooting at a bullseye. And to be honest with you, the stuff you learn in the classes, <laughs> it makes it more fun anyway. I, I, I'm, I, I've learned it's more fun to go shoot drills than just stand there and boom, boom, boom. So, yeah. As far as me, uh, just if you want to check out some... My, my channel is geared more towards the new gun owner, new shooter. There's some silly stuff on there. It's Defense Dad. Just check it out. That's about it. Cool stuff. All right. Thanks for being here. And one question. We're not going to go around the horn, but I am going to touch on this one. G23 wanted to know if you could train with any instructor, who would it be and why? I'm going to throw out my idols. Um, if uh, if I could get out there before he's completely retired and, and learn from Clint Smith, he's my biggest bucket list instructor to learn from. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to because I think he's about done. But Clint Smith at Thunder Ranch would be, uh, if, if I could only pick one instructor and that was the only person that I could ever go to, I'd, I'd go learn from Clint. Uh, it'd be a blast. It'd be a lot of fun. But uh, there's a lot of instructors that I want to learn from. Um, it's just if I if I had to pick one, that'd be him. Um, I just like the things that he says. He he cracks me up, and uh, the way that he says stuff, he he definitely doesn't pull punches. He's not the guy that's afraid. Anything that, that somebody's like, you can't say that to your students. Not that guy. He'll just say it, and that's what everybody loves about him. And that's one of the reasons why people do flock out there to Oregon. To thunder ranch and, and take his courses but he's he's working on selling it and retiring so uh the days are numbered um so many great ones and i'm not just saying this because she paid me to but i i would love to train with beth and sean both um now that i know there's there's a face that goes with sean i've heard that you you know i knew that there was a husband somewhere it's nice to have a face to go with the name mr beth alcazar yeah. <laughs> or hey man, where's Beth? Yeah. Well, I have a name. I really do have a name. <laughs> Hi, Beth and Beth's husband. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's other guy. I'd like to say though, we're getting pretty serious. So good, uh, things are that's things good. are really looking up for me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good. And and you know what? Couldn't happen to a better guy. So <laughs> all right. On behalf of uh of everybody here, Pat, who tried to make it in here, but uh equipment wasn't working for him. And then uh, Travis and Defense Dad, and of course, Beth and Sean and Rob and my bride who couldn't be in here with us tonight. So I don't have a list, but uh, again, uh, thanks everybody for, for being out there in the live chat, making it lively, getting those questions. Uh, Hillbilly Up, I see you out there and I don't think I've ever seen that name. So 
unless you're somebody who uh, changed your name and I do know you. Welcome to the party, pal. And then uh, he, he was there. on Caliber Corner tonight for the first time. Okay, cool. Well, He's glad to have you along, Hillbilly Up. Pretty cool, dude. Um, and I, I don't think I saw any other new people except for, um, yeah, maybe Uplift Mofo Party Plan had some comments out there, but it looks like they've all been retracted, so maybe not. Anyway, on behalf of all of us, thanks for being here. Tune in next week. I don't know for sure what we're going to do. Um, I know here in a few weeks uh, into August, we're going to have Teresa Einacker. Uh, is going to talk to us about some some uh, not quite as lighthearted stuff, but uh, that'll be a, a fun night as well. So I think that's August 11th is what we're going to plan on. But a couple weeks between now and then, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Uh, come join us Thursdays at eight o'clock and find out what it is. We uh, we'll make it uh, we'll make it worth your time to have a little fun. So uh, we'll see you there. Same bat time, same bat channel. But uh, for now, it's time. We got to go. You guys are great. We love you. God bless you. But uh, get off my lawn.